Dude, the best sound effects. All right, we're going live in three, two. Well, we already are live. Um, I actually just didn't tell you that we're we're still recording. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, um, I'll here to implicate myself too much. It's cool. It's cool. Um, they're looking out for you. Dude. They're looking for you. Um, so hello everyone. Uh, I have with me a very good friend named Jared Heath. Um, and he's a photographer and also uh, so. That's me. Um, And I didn't know, what I didn't actually know, dude, was that you are in the Rumney guidebook. Uh, As a, as a, um, because I was looking through it the other day, and I was like, man, this guy looks really familiar. Because I was looking up some routes I want to do this year, climbing out at Rumney, because again, I'm mainly a sport climber, right? And um, I'm flipping through, and I'm like, man, this guy looks really familiar. I was like, I swear to God, I think I know that guy. And then it says Jared Heath. Is that you? Or is that you actually in the Rumney guidebook at all? Um, yeah, that was me. Um, some of my friends are photographers as well. Mm. So kind of, I didn't know I was going to be in it until I started getting texts from people, which is like, hey, I saw you. So you just there, kind so. of like got surprised by it a little bit? Yeah, it was a nice surprise. And it's kind of cool flipping through because I see a bunch of like photos of days out with friends and it's just like memories which is cool when i yeah. open the guidebook yeah. and see so it keeps me a little stoked and yeah dude because that's like one of the biggest things i love about um photography i'm horrible at introductions and my add is also kicking in so like i'm trying to like be like introductory kind of type stuff with this podcast but um we'll just have to feed off of each other with the add and see where it goes man it's gonna be good i so. think i think that's i think that's the best route yeah I yeah think just that's the best keep route. the coffee coming and, yeah uh, it, dude, it'll get for weird sure. but it'll be good it'll get weird but that's those are the best those are the best episodes um but one of the biggest things i noticed about like from a from a photographic standpoint you know how like people when they're watching football or they're um, playing like certain types of sports where there's like a square, you know, and, and they have to be on the sidelines and they have to have this really long lens. Climbing actually like from a f- photographic standpoint, lets you get, it allows you to get in super close, you know, like you can get in right there seeing these people doing like amazing things and, and really seeing like their, their expressions and really seeing the struggle that they go through trying to capture certain images, you know, like you can get right in there. Whereas like, all right, this is football. You need to stand here or you're not allowed on the field here and stuff like that, you know? So that's, that's what I, I really think is, is cool about, um, it's cool about climbing is that there's so much like diverse ways in how you can try and capture an image, you know? Um, so would you be able to, uh, kind of, I like to usually introduce a little bit of like history on how you got started and everything. Um, so, with climbing i know you're a climbing photographer how did you start out climbing like did you do it when you were young did your your parents kind of bring you up with it or uh well i mean kind of like most things in my life i just kind of stumbled on it Mm -hmm. like got out of got out of high school didn't know what i wanted to do went to went to a community college took a few gen ed classes until they actually told me i had enough credits to graduate mm-hmm. yeah. and i laughed because i thought they were joking and <laughs> they gave me a funny look and i realized they were serious so yeah. i got an associates in the science of general studies nice nice and was kind of trying to think about like what i wanted to do after that and couldn't come up with anything and probably like a year before that i'd started started climbing more and uh kind of like a continuation of hiking i just got mm-hmm. bored walking on trails and... dude i yep 
the view's nice. The view is always nice, but I think that like inner dialogue when you do like they're just. I feel that I need to do something more with with hiking because it's just it's weird. I love being up on top of mountains and stuff like that, but like you said, it gets there's there's a little blandness that comes with it after a while you know yeah. i think the body mechanics of climbing for me anyway like you were we were kind of joking about add but probably with that it's like a little yeah. bit more engaging yeah. of a practice so just kind of decided i wanted to climb for a while and just worked odd jobs climbed as much as i could and never got like super good at it but just always had fun which i think is the most important thing if you're gonna try to try to do that as much as you can yeah if you're if you're definitely getting into climbing actually this is something i was talking to with my roommate um a while back was that um episode two we were talking about she went out to red rocks right and like oh yeah do, yeah this is awesome yeah. yeah do you happen to know matt matt call matt call red uh, he goes by red fury or something like that i think i met him like once or twice when he was working at evo but yeah i wouldn't say someone yeah. that i know yeah that's where yeah. he that's where he ended up working and he went out to he went out to red rocks with her and um he was talking about or she was talking about like just it's so different man with climbing because it's just something that i absolutely enjoy and that you can you can train for it man year round there's just such a an interesting appeal to it because I used to run a lot of Spartan races and Tough Mudders, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, you can only, you can only train for these things in the summer, you know? And then as soon as winter comes, it's like, I get that, that like fucking seasonal depression shit where it's like, oh, you know, now there's, now the thing that I do is kind of gone and it's just, what is there, you know? And it's always the the course usually stays the same. You know, I'm expecting everything that's going to take place. Same thing with hiking. I know, I know what's going to happen when I'm hiking. You know, I get I get to the top, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with hiking, but climbing I find is such a diverse, such a different sport than most people that actually want to do it. And then like my friends talk to me, and they're like, "Oh, dude, like if you go and do a tough mudder, you could like fuck up your leg," you know. And then like like a year and a half later, I'm like, "Yeah, dude, like I'm gonna go climbing." And they're like, "Oh, you can die," and I'm just like, "Dude, like you can die fucking getting hit by a car on the way out, you know? Like it's snowing outside right now. Like you could walk outside, and, and an avalanche could happen off the roof or something. You know what I mean? I hope not. I fucking hope not. I hope not. But you know, <laughs> I, was, I was confused until you said off the roof. I'm like, oh, yeah. You're parking I was like, I was like flat, dude, man. you're parking. Yeah. You're what the hell? Avalanche <laughs> over here, dude. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about, man? Um, but no, dude. It like the thing I love about it is that um, for me, I'm mainly just a sport climber right now. You know, and it allows me to train throughout the year. I can have an on season. I can have an off season. That fucking cat. Um, I can have an on season. I can have an off season. Um, but you know, there's, there's always something to strive to work towards to whether it's working strength, bouldering, or these different routes you're doing. It's just, it's got this really interesting appeal, you know? Yeah. It's kind of cool too. Cause like, as you, as you climb more and I started out as a sport climber, that was like kind of my introduction to it mm -hmm. and still love it. But it's like, you start to see more, you can branch out and you realize that it's like, different aspects that require different skills so i think it becomes a lot more personal to how you mm. want to make it in something like a spartan race 
does too where i've never done a spartan race so i'm just kind of like talking a bunch yeah but i feel like yeah. trying is... to make the connection between between both disciplines yeah 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 but i gotta do you ever get like hit with those electric cables those are spartan races too those are those right? are those are tough mutters dude those oh okay. so those fucking cables man let me tell you the first one <laughs> the first one i ever did i go through and i'm like oh man this can't be that bad all right and so like you 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 can take your arms and like for those for those listening basically like I'm making I'm making like a a T like just basically holding my arms out and this guy goes in front of me and there's all these lines that come down and not every one is electrified but it's like randomized right oh and I it, thought they all were I was I like, don't know I don't know I don't know and that was kind of one of the things that got me turned off to. <laughs> doing another tough mutter was that specific fu- dude if that's the last obstacle they do they're like you know what we're gonna fucking throw you in some ice we're gonna do this we're gonna throw you all through all this bullshit and then yeah they like shock you at the end and then it's just like what the fuck man like you just watch these people like from a photographer's standpoint that's like the best place to set up because you just see all these people just eating shit and like you just get these crazy facial expressions of these people like <laughs> just like fuck this you know like going face first into the mud and all that kind of stuff dude and like there's just like there's like all the competitors and then just like this line of like photographers stood up with like their tripods just like watching these that's people where, eat shit yeah yeah, yeah have like dude, my telephoto sure. lens yeah, dude, exactly. series like faces of electrocuted dude yeah so it's not it's not it, it, the race the tough mutter is it's a it's a good race um what i really love about it is actually the the people what I really love about the Tough Mudder is the people that go behind it, you know, and, I, and I've had my friend Kyle, me and him have done, um, we've, I've done nine of them and they're great. They're great events, but the problem is, is that you have to pay for it. You know, it's, it's, it's pricey. And so what I tried doing was I used to volunteer for it and then we would, we would uh, run it that way. And the people you even meet volunteering are awesome. They're great people like that. The, the, they call it the OCR obstacle course racing community. It's a, it's a fantastic group of people. You know, I'm, I'm still on a few, um, groups on Facebook and stuff, but over time I just kind of, I, I, I did the courses so much throughout the years that it just stayed the same, you know, and I needed a little bit, I needed a little bit different. And I think that that kind of is a testament to climbing is that like, as you know, not every single route is the same. You know, not every route is going to, there's different styles of climbing in different areas and stuff. Um, and that's why, like, I, I've, I've really, I've really enjoyed um, the sport so far. Uh, so you started out as a sport climber and then you were talking about how you can kind of change your, your or you can branch out into other areas. What other areas could you possibly like branch out into? Um, I mean, there's like trad climbing, which is kind of the classic traditional way of doing it placing your own protection there's ice climbing there's bouldering and i I personally don't like to separate them i just kind of all think of it as movement on rock or in the mountains and some of it's safer than others some of it you can try harder than others without worrying about like falling and i think like i still love sport climbing and bouldering but i love it for different reasons Mm -hmm. than i did when i first started out i don't get that same like sense of adventure clipping bolts anymore because i've done other things but i can like get on a hard sport route try my hardest whip around and still have some fun stronger for other things so it's kind of like it's cool because it's a progression and you definitely meet like he'd said with the spartan races and the tough mutters like you just meet a eclectic group of people across the across the board yeah and just keeping everyone stoked and just that like 
I don't know. It's just really cool. Uh, Dude, honestly, that's what me and my buddy Andy were trying to... Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I actually was speaking with him yesterday. He's he's a climber out in New York City. He's a photographer friend of mine. And we were actually talking about that, that same thing, like that um, photographic... Like, or not that just that community it's like dude you can't even articulate it in regard to climbing like there's just something about being possibly fucking, like fucking dealing with you know like joking around like oh dude we could fucking die dude you know like it's just like it's like oh dude like we almost just like oh man you just took like a 30 foot fall and you almost broke your legs they're like yeah you know like yeah. just kind of like laughing it off a little bit and it, it it just it it's just i think it's a normalcy for us and I think that in order to live, some people are lacking that, you know, and in, in some in some capacities of their life is that they don't ha- they, they don't know what's out there in regard to possibly climbing or they don't have that kind of tribe mentality, you know, where there's all this like there's all this like there's all this positivity, you know, like having such good good a good group of people around you, you know. And I think that the climbing community is very good for for that aspect for people, you know, like just it it's like a sense of belonging to something you know yeah and, in a lot of ways it's really accepting and i think because climbing in itself has traditionally been kind of a fringe sport like you look back at like yeah. the 50s and 60s in yosemite and some of those stories you would just get yeah. like uh you're like like Whoa. a crazy group of individuals yeah. so it's always been kind of like hey you're kind of weird but i want yeah. to climb that. i really I'm like this guy yeah. for wanting to climb that too yeah. let's be let's be homies let's go yeah. do cool shit i know i remember so. i remember um reading that um or watching that movie valley uprising where uh royal robbins was on the rock and then warren harding was also like he's in his like sling and they're like oh fuck we gotta like rescue these guys and there's that like iconic image of him like <laughs> flicking off the helicopter you know like get the fuck out of here Excuse me, like, get the, the fuck out of here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Nope, don't want to rescue we're good yeah um so you've been climbing how long have you actually been climbing for uh probably around 10 years now really so. jesus man yeah. fuck yeah i know you think i'd be better at it but. yeah <laughs> no well dude that's the thing yeah. is that like you know um there's a guy i used to work in um, manchester right and that's where vertical dreams is yeah and, yeah you that know was, that yeah. was the gym where i got started out yeah yeah, yeah. so I lee a lot of good memories there yeah yeah he was lee. super influential in yeah. climbing for yeah sure. so the so people that are listening his name's X Lee X X on Instagram. Just saying, if get throwing him some, throwing him some likes, you know, or some followers. Um, he was he's a very um, well established climber, like you were you were talking about, you know. And he's actually bolted a couple of routes in New Hampshire. There's an app that we have called Mountain Project where people go on and they look at climbs and like a lot of the climbs you'll find in New Hampshire. Lee has at least had some influence in some of the routes that have been established. Mm. Um, he, you know, sometimes when I would go out for work, I'd go out for break. He'd come in the elevator and be like, oh man, like, what's up, man? You know, he's just like, he's like, oh, Hey, what's up, man? And I, I know who he is, but none of my, none of my coworkers climb. They have no idea who this guy is. You know, he just like steps in the elevator. He's like, what's up? I'm like, Hey, what's going on, dude? You know? And, um, but even him, I was asking him, he's like, yeah, man, even, even getting up to like five thirteen, five fourteen, he's like, in all reality, he's like, like yeah you can climb harder he's like but that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna have more fun he's like you know those those climbs that are hard he's like i i have more fun climbing like lower grades sometimes than i do actually trying this like really hard route and some people i think they might get and there's nothing wrong with pursuing grades you know there's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself to 
to become stronger and, and get that next grade or doing any of that kind of stuff. But he, he was, he was one of the first people that ended up making me think that, you know, it's, it is really just about having fun, you know, and sometimes grades can matter. Other times it, it doesn't, you know, and it's, it's really just what it is that the person wants to achieve and surrounding yourself with people that are like super into fucking like, we got to fucking send this shit today, you know, or something like that. Then there's no, there's, I don't think that there's any wrong approach to it. You know, there's no wrong approach to it. Um, so you've been climbing for 10 years. Uh, where have some of the areas you've actually gone climbing in? Like, where have you, where have you been? Um, kind of all over the place. Um, mostly around New England, like New Hampshire's kind of been a home base for me. So I've spent a lot of time at Rumney when I was starting out. The North Conway, Mount Washington Valley area is really close to home for me. Um, I've been out west a handful of times. So I've done some time in Red Rocks, good chunk of time in Joshua Tree and Bishop, some time in the Valley, a little bit in Tuolumne, um, Wyoming, mm -hmm. Montana. What, what were you doing in, um, well, again, my ADD's kicking in, so let's try to let's try to keep myself focused it, here. More yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah more coffee, dude. This, um, go. <laughs> <laughs> so where, I know that there's a lot of high-profile climbing that people try to, like, go to, like, the pinnacle of climbing, they say, is, like, in the, is, like, Yosemite and all these places that have these, like, high-profile areas, but... A lot of the other areas are like the smaller areas that people aren't aware of. What, what what would you say is probably one of your favorite areas you ended up climbing out west at that like really was like, wow, that was a really great trip? That's that's a hard one to say because all of those areas for me, it's like yeah. kind of the time where I was when I got there. But one mm -hmm. of the ones that like comes to mind first was um, this spot in the desert in California called New Jack City. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd met this guy in Rumney and just kind of exchanged numbers really quickly with him and... Um, he was was passing through there and texted him. He's like, yeah, we're going to be out here this day. So it was, I can't remember if it was, I can't remember exactly where it is. I think it was outside of Bakersfield or maybe Barstow, mm -hmm. but just drove out in the middle of the desert. I'm like, where am I going right now? But it was all this yeah. black kind of volcanic tough rock with yeah. kind of gymnastic style sport climbing. And that one was just like, whoa, there was nothing around here for a while. And yeah. there's all this cool climbing routes that I really liked. And uh, for me, I've just kind of like to explore areas more than like iconic areas. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot to just being able to check out different ecosystems and see what they look like in different parts of the map. So I really just like the off the beaten path kind of things too. So I'll sometimes just go to an area and try to like bushwhack my way out, to <laughs> route, which like... Yeah. Sometimes I find and sometimes I just yeah. take gear for a walk and go back to main yeah. areas. So it's one of those things like maybe yeah, we will get something or we won't, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. I was uh I kinda went no, a little, I think it's little fine. stream of no. consciousness with that one too. No, but. that's fine. Um because the thing is is that like the I have a little bit of a similar approach too, is that like when it comes to photographing stuff, like I'm super stupid into landscape photography, you know. So like what I wanna do is I wanna go out and and explore these areas and and get these shots and like get up at fucking like one o'clock in the morning to wait for you know these these sunrise shots and You're stuff a like that man. dude it's i know you know what i mean yeah and it's yeah. just like it's like most most people they're like that i would surround myself with like there's a large diverse of of photographers that i know like i know i know street photographers i know sports i know sport photographers i know all these different kind of people and i have a very limited 
um, selection of people I know that are into landscape stuff, you know, but it's like you were saying, going to that, going to those locations and the off the beaten path, things that like these, these high profile areas of, you know, that you could go to like Horseshoe Bend over in, I think Horseshoe Bend's in Arizona or the Grand Canyon or going to all these places, you know, and that's what I, I don't know if it's like a thing of like personal fulfillment for me or, or what, but I loved just exploring, man. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to really explain for me because just like just going out and, and whether you, whether you have a good time or you don't, I think just the experience is really what matters. You know, yeah. Yeah. especially if you have a photo like something like yeah. that too, it definitely evokes this kind of emotional response. Like, yeah. man, I was I was here at this yeah. point in time. Yeah, right. I saw, and it can kind of bring it back. And that's what's like I don't know, a lot. I've been trying to mix like climbing with the environment they're in. Mm-hmm. And this winter, I've been doing a bit more like ice climbing photography, and not mm-hmm. like specific shoots, but just bringing a smaller camera that I have around with me. And it's cool because you can go in these wild places where you're like, I don't think people are supposed to be here. And <laughs> I don't know if anybody's been here. Yeah. Shot and like combine the landscape in the two. It's, just, I don't know, it's just cool. It's Dude, a fun, yeah, because I had, yeah. I had a, a similar thing. Um, back in September, I went to Utah. My friend, my friend Becky of mine invited me. She, she's the one who invited me to go out to Colorado for the Ure Ice Park. Oh, yeah. 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 So or, or, we were, this took about a week. Ure, Ore. Ure, Ure. It's it's apparently it's Ure. I'm yeah. still probably fucking butchering it, but I feel like I mispronounce everything. But I've heard uh, I've, I've heard pronoun- Ure the most. So, yeah, I even yeah, mispronounce when I roll with them. People yeah, correct me. Yeah, I mispronounce my own name sometimes, so yeah. it's okay. They're like, "How do you say your name?" I'm like, "I don't know." Oh, fuck, whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, no, dude, we went we went to we went to Utah and. We were rappelling into the canyon, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, man. So is this near, like, Moab area? Yeah, yeah, this was right in Moab. Yeah, Yeah, dude, beautiful fucking place, dude. Beautiful fucking place, man, right? So I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm like, man, like, you know, I'm having these, like, secondary thoughts to myself. I'm like, dude, like, what the fuck happens if, like, something happens in this canyon? You know, I'm like, what the fuck happens if, like, something happens in this canyon? Like, that's in the back of my mind. You know, and I know that everybody I'm with is like super safe, dude, super awesome people. But I just have this like this like notion in the back of my mind. I'm like, man, what the fuck happens if like we're in this goddamn field and something, you know, like someone gets hurt or something, you know, like I don't have fucking self-reception at all because we're in a fucking canyon, you know, like what the fuck, man, you know. Um, But I think what was really cool about it was that we that I think is, is really cool is that we, we just, we went and did it anyway, you know, regardless of the risks, like we're still safe, you know, like we're still relatively safe, but like that scared factor of what, what could possibly happen. I mean, I could be sitting in my car and say like, I'm going to not have my seatbelt on, you know, what could happen? You know, like what I think the thing is, is that people need to, people need to live, you know, people just need to, they just need to live and, Dude, and we got we got done that fucking canyon. Dude, I had all these crazy pictures that I was so happy about, and then I lost them because my fucking hard drive just shit the bed. So oh, that's the worst, dude. Twenty thousand pictures, man. Twenty thousand. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry, dude. dude. <laughs> it, it it sucks. It's okay, but I have to I have to send it in to get repaired. Um, but yeah, it's it's this small little rotating disc hard drive. So anybody that's getting into photography, I highly suggest 
getting a solid state drive because if you get a rotating disc drive they have like a shelf life to them apparently and it just stopped working i had it for two years it was a seagate um, backup plus slim one it was a two terabyte one and mm-hmm. it just stopped it just stopped rotating and it beeps now whenever i plug it in and it just doesn't work so the solid state drives are the one that has no rotating parts and they say that those ones are a lot better for um long-term storage for your photos and stuff so dude like i was just like dude i was so i was so fucking sad man because like i had i had i upload a lot of my stuff to dropbox too but yeah man it's 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 okay it's it'll it'll get situated um but Dude, um, having backups too is another really good thing. Yes. And that's something I need to get better at myself. Redundancy. I, I have a yeah. couple drives where if I lose them, it's gonna be. It's a lot of money. Actually, can... it might be my project this afternoon. You, you talked to me. Yeah, dude, yeah. I know. That's why I'm, I'm, I have. Um, so I ended up buying my latest one. I bought was, um, it was a Seagate or not Seagate. Um, it was a Sandisk, 500 gigabyte one, and it's, it's, dude, it's a little small. You know, it's a little small thing. Dude, the 500 gig only go the 500 gig, because um, I shoot with a Nikon D810, 36 megapixels. Fuck mm-hmm. my life, dude, because that shit fills up so fast. Like those those cards fills up. Are you shooting in RAW too? Yes. Oh yep. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So shooting in RAW um, is uh, it's basically it's just there's all this data in the file, and each file is going to be a lot more than you would if you have like a um, like a cell phone picture or something, or like you know every time you take a shot on your on your on your phone, the picture's already essentially processed. It's 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 taken care of. So when you shoot these things called raw files, they're expected to be edited um, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, dude, my my friend Becky, she was using my camera out in uh, Ure, and she had a I don't want to say she had a fucked up leg, but she was out in El Dorado. She was hiking. And dude, every like all my climbing friends, every single one of my climbing friends, every time they get hurt, it's not climbing. It's like doing other shit, you know? Like it's always doing like other shit, like fucking surfing or like hiking or like baking a cake or some shit, you know? Like, oh, fuck, the batter fucked my skin up and I've got 30 degree burns or some shit. Like, I don't know, you that's know? Like, um, that's a really intense baking Yeah, session. dude, yeah, for, like, for, for real, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah we like, that. holy shit, yeah. man. Can we invite Gordon Ramsay here, you know? Um, <laughs> and, uh, she was using she was using my D810, and she took like 500 photos. And we met uh, I met that girl Trad Princess out there actually on on Instagram. And dude, she's super chill, super chill people, man. Um, I met a guy by the name of Paul Paul Paul. I'm trying to like recite his Instagram, also saying his name Paul in the Wilderness. Yeah, that's his Instagram. Met him, and dude, just. Um, there's another guy I'm trying to have on here too. His name's Nate. Uh, he works for black diamond, met him and dude, there's like so many fucking people that like are climbers and like secondary primary, whatever they want to like photographers, man, that are just like super chill people. And like, it's just, I don't know, man, I've never, I've never had that before where I can have this, like this, just these people that are, that are really cool to just like they're so open-minded and it's just this like tribe mentality and dude i fucking love it man like it's 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 so cool it's so cool to see that and uh i want to have that guy nate on um i'm hopefully i'm gonna have him on here probably within the next month or two so is he um, from new england or is he was he out there visiting no or? he was out there um i didn't even know him so we're we're standing there and he just looks at me and he's like hey man so shooting i'm like yeah and he just strikes up this conversation and he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to be at the Black Diamond tent. So I don't know if he was, I don't know if he works for Black Diamond, like, 
himself, but I only had like two conversations with him, but you could just tell that he's like this super chill guy. And, uh, the stoke shines through. Yeah. yeah, dude. So he's just like, he's like, yeah, man, like you can do this. And just giving me all this advice on what you can do while you're climbing and doing photography at the same, you know, at the same, not at the same time. Or if you're, if you're just photographing your friends for that day, he's like, you could take a two by four and, you know, put it underneath you and you can put these screws in it and sit on this board instead of having a hand. I'm just like, man, like this guy's got a lot of fucking knowledge, man, you know, and I'm just like picking his brain for all this information. And that's, that's why I want to, I want to have him on, um, to go, to go over where he's been and what he's done, you know, and talk about the different things that he shot. And so I was walking back to go get a static line and I'm like super fucking tired man you know and like I'm walking back and I'm just like fuck my life dude like I'm so goddamn tired you know like going through the ice park and then he's like Josh and I'm like dude like my whole mood just changed I was like bro what's up man he's like and then we just like had this like 30 40 minute conversation about photography and like he was he was set up and there was a competition that was going on in the ice park and um, I don't know if it was like lead or whatever or what was going on, but he was with someone else and you could see that he had his, you know, he had all his equipment set up and everything like that. But again, dude, same thing. Very knowledgeable dude, like giving me all these tips on kind of stuff. Um, dude. Yeah. It was fucking sick, man. It was, it was for sure. It was really cool. Um, where the fuck were we going with this? I don't know. I was just I don't letting know. it ride. Yeah. Dude, I have no idea either. Um, um, we're talking about people you met out in your and you wanted yeah. to have on here. Yeah. 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 I wanted to have, I wanted to have him on here. Um, but dude, like what I wanted to talk to you about was, have you actually, how, how did you get started in, in photography? Like, where did you, where did you kind of assimilate like climbing from 10 years ago? And did you just kind of have like a Jimmy Chin thing where someone hands you a camera and they're like, Hey man, like just take a picture. And then all of a sudden, like you're fucking summoning Everest, you know, and you're fucking doing all this like crazy <laughs> shit, you know? Um, no, not, not quite, but I think it was just like around it a lot one of my good buddies from high school um used to do concert photography like he snuck in a disposable camera to warp tour once and they didn't catch him with it and shot a bunch of photos and like that's awesome got amped on it so yeah. went further with it and he used to like get me into shows and i mm -hmm. just like watch him shoot and talk to him about it and then a few years that was even before i was climbing and a few years later i started climbing and kind of like got out of that scene a little bit and was living up in uh, lincoln new hampshire and my roommate had started shooting, um, and him and I were talking about it, and I just kind of needed something else to focus on, because it was, like, not really doing too much else yeah. except climbing, so I got yeah. a camera, and then brought it on a road trip, and I was like, well, I have two jobs right now, is to climb as much as I can, and mm -hmm. to learn how to use this box with spinny dials on it, <laughs> so that was long story short on that one and just kind of wrote it out from there and then i got back from that trip and had a buddy um my friend brett who kind of worked a lot of jobs i met him when he was a software developer and at a company like email marketing i don't know exactly what he did but one of those things where they make messages go across the internet yeah and he'd sold that company and had started another magazine called iron and air which was a motorcycle magazine and was talking to him about stuff and he introduced me to the guys from northeast mountaineering mm -hmm. so i got a job where i would just basically go around and like shoot clients and um a lot of stuff for that as they were trying to do Dude, um, that's awesome so you're so you're like a self-taught you're completely you're completely self-taught 
I mean, I can't Seems. say I'm self-taught. There were a lot of like really smart 12-year-old kids on YouTube <laughs> who showed me yeah, what yeah, to do. Yeah, it. Yeah. And I've gotten super fortunate with a lot of other photographers, too, mm-hmm. um, who have just taken time to show me things. And I could kind of like a lot of them were getting into climbing. So we could just like trade some knowledge back and forth or they shot a different style than I did. So I can't I can't take self-taught credit, but yeah. I didn't go to school for it or anything at all. I've just kind of like everything else in my life just stumble around and manage yeah. to find something that I enjoy doing. So it worked out pretty well in that regards. Yeah, I think I think sticking with it too is that is that like stick you know, sticking sticking it through is that a lot of people can get discouraged with with pursuing photography and stuff like that, you know, just sticking with it, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. There's not a super big market for climbing photography where you're going to make a bunch of money on it so i think just from having a climbing bum mentality too where it's like well my yeah. lunch today is a bag of chips so i <laughs> yeah. have to climb this route was yeah helpful and living in a minivan so that i was saving money and still yeah. had good gas mileage but there are some times you're just like well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just doing this because I enjoy it. But I could definitely Dude, that's like, a, get that's... a job in an apartment and make my life easier for sure. You know, you know, there's a weird dynamic between these two things, right? So, like, someone that has something else, someone always wants, right? So, assuming, I'm assuming, that you've had all these crazy experiences and you've got all these amazing stories, right? You know, and someone that's probably listening to this is going to say to themselves, they're like, wow, that's amazing. Right. I want I want those experiences of what that guy has. Right. Or like people sacrifice different. I don't say sacrifice, but people choose different things in life. And, you know, someone can have an apartment and they can have the comforts of that. You know, does that make them happy? You know, I mean, people people pursue different things that make them happy, you know, and that's what I find is that I have found so much life in a lot of my climbing friends, because me, the thing is, is that I want experiences myself, too. You know, um, because I don't want to get too personal here, but I was in, I was in the Marines. I was, uh, I was an infantryman in the Marines, right? So I am constantly going between these two different dynamics between like, am I doing enough? And am I also like, there are people that I know, unfortunately, that are, that are not here, you know? And so I'm always like, I'm always like trying to, I'm always trying to really push myself to have these, these, these really people that are so full of life, you know, and like sleeping in a fucking sleeping in a fucking van, you know, or like having a bag of chips and just like sacrificing these things to think back and those experiences, man, they're like, they're, they're definitely, they're definitely worth it. You know, they're, they're definitely worth it. Um, and so have you, have you gone on road trips throughout the U S yeah, I've driven across the country probably 10 or 11 times jesus so. fuck dude fucking no shit really yeah, all right put we're, a lot of miles on cars dude all right all right so. so where have you where have you gone what was what was the first how old were you when you went on the first road trip like just across the united states well, i could buy my own beer so i was at least 21 um <laughs> that's that's was, definitely important yeah yeah that was clutch um <laughs> it was right after i had my surprise graduation with my um yeah and they told me i had enough credits too uh-huh. and so i just kind of packed up i had a chevy colorado at the time with like mm-hmm. a no cover so just like i had no idea what i was doing like, yeah threw a bunch yeah. of stuff in the back and um drove out to joshua tree was kind of my final destination but stopped a bunch of places along the way 
And it was really funny. I got to Joshua Tree and I'd spent basically I'd really only climbed at Rumney and Pawtuckaway. So mm-hmm. I'm just used to this specific style like of this, climbing. Yeah, this this style. And I've actually been out I've been out in Joshua Tree. Yeah. There's a dude, there's that, there's that, there's that um Marine Corps base right out there. Twenty nine palms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Deuce nine palms. Dude, yeah, yeah. dude. Twenty nine <laughs> twenty nine palms, dude. Yeah. They they well they call them um they call them twenty nine stumps is a is a joke because it's not they're not actually <laughs> palm trees, but um they're the reason why I think think the way that the again it's been a, anybody that's a marine that's listening to this they're gonna fucking they're gonna comment butcher me whatever anyways um i think it has to do with the 29 palm trees that surround the base and they just call it 29 palms i don't know but anyways being out there dude that's some of the that's some of the best fucking climbing in in the u.s dude right yeah, and so like by all dude rocks, yeah like, man where the hell are the climbs I dude yeah jugs or buckets right <laughs> yeah dude these, and it's it, dude it's yeah, so these cracks and slabs oh, what is this yeah. dude it's so fucking beautiful out there too man because i'm sitting here and i'm like i'm like stuck in a fucking bus like on 29 palms and everybody's like oh there's nothing to do out here this is fucking bullshit and then all of a sudden Fast forward 10 years and I'm like, man, fuck, dude. I, I wish I was stationed out there. I'd be out fucking climbing every goddamn day, you know? Um, but what did you what do you notice about the diff- dis- the distinct difference between like climbing on the East Coast where we have a lot of granite versus like the West Coast, you know? Um, what do you mean by difference do you mean like in the style of climbing or like the the scenes or i'm not really sure myself because my roommate was saying that the climbing out here on the east coast it's like a little bit more techy a little bit more technical and like the west coast is a little bit more like it's crack you know it's crack climbing it's a different form of it's a different form of rock it requires a little bit difference of style that's the reason why i'm asking is because i haven't actually i haven't climbed out there yet you know and i'm super stoked to to give it a go you okay know? yeah i I would agree with that to an extent. I think if you spend a lot of time in, um, like we've been talking about Rumney a lot, that's a lot of like crimps, mm. buckets, really specific beta, where if you get into a crack climbing or a slab climbing, you don't have that as much. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of um, the variations in style, like New Jack City reminded, I was talking about that as well, reminded me a bit of Rumney, just a little bit more dynamic movements, more climbing. I think... Sometimes, too, you have to look at, like, when the areas were established. Mm -hmm. I found a lot of, like, the North Conway, even though it's a different kind of granite, but, like, similar style and similar establishment ethics to Joshua Tree. Kind of crack climbing, face climbing, get protection where you can naturally put in a bolt where on, like, slabs and stuff. So I found that kind of similar. Mm. So I think a lot of it is you have to look at, like, the history of the areas, how they were established, what time they were, and, like, what the ethics, whether it was ground up or rat bolting. Mm. So I think a lot of the older areas you're going to find, or I've found anyway, more, like, stout grades and a little bit, like, headier roots, um, a little bit more mentally challenging. Um, So Joshua Tree, I would say, definitely had that. And I found, like... Not so much the climbing, but my thought process while I was climbing. Joshua Tree, North Conway, Yosemite, and a lot of those older areas really similar. Um, yeah, I think that's as best as I can answer best that. Best as one. you can kind of yeah. analyze the distinct difference in the in the styles. Yeah, because like the East Coast, the East Coast they were saying has been a has been established for you know or. They actually, the I, I found out that the first technical climb ever was actually in 1910. It was Huntington Ravine. Yeah, and, the old yeah, route. I think yeah. it's a little bit south of yeah. uh, northeast ridge of the Pinnacle. Yeah. I kind of want to go do that one, but it just yeah. looks like I don't know I've exactly where the line goes. It's a shrub fest, dude. I've never, I've never done Huntington Ravine. I've never done it. 
Oh, you gotta get up there, man. That's one dude. of my that's one of my favorite spots, dude. I fucking I'll 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 we'll we'll, we'll talk after this. We'll talk after this. Right. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was the first. That was one of the first climbs. Was that was back in nineteen nineteen ten? You can fucking imagine what the fuck they like steel toe boots or whatever the fuck they had back then to climb. You know, yeah, um, New England definitely and, has a pretty rad history. Um, there's a book Yankee Rock and Ice by Guy and Laura Waterman, which chronicles mm-hmm. it really well, and it talks about. Um, not so much technical climbing, but some of like the early, it starts off some of the early ascents and it was talking about ascents of gullies in like yeah. the 1800s. Dude, New that's York, fucking like, the insane, dude. Yeah. And when you think about like, um, especially in Huntington routes like Pinnacle when they were first going up it, they were like, you can go up it now in a few hours, like a competent party. But when they were doing it, it was like old wool clothing mm-hmm. like yeah hobnailed boots and like <laughs> chopping steps up like they had to dude, stop that, with an axe and just like chop a step step up in it chop yeah. a step step dude, up in it so it's like it's a whole different pretty wild yeah thinking about what these fucking people did back in the day man there's a story you know devil's tower oh yeah 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 so dude there was a story i was reading about i don't know if you're familiar with this there was a guy who was like oh well i'm gonna go up in a hot air balloon and then i'm gonna jump out of the balloon and any are you, story that involves a hot air balloon is like it's got to be good i'm not familiar with yeah this one, so man, so this guy <laughs> so this guy he's like all right well i don't know if it was a hot air balloon or he was um he was a free fall parachute he was a parachutist you know i don't want to say like he's a skydiver because i don't know if skydiving and parachutist are two different things i don't know um but devil's tower is a it's a it's a tower where where is devil's tower again is it in wyoming wyoming yeah Yeah. i think it's in wyoming and it's like some it's a fossilized remain of like a volcano back in the day or something like that like geology wise i don't i don't know i couldn't tell you geology wise. yeah i don't features of it are pretty wild this is like it looks like a stump with a bunch of corner systems running down it so all these kind of like grooved corners so that's it's pretty wild yeah i've never actually climbed there dude neither have i able to see it and there was a guy, so this guy says to this these these people, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to get in a hot air balloon and I'm going to parachute right on top of Devil's Tower, right? Well, like he has a bag supposedly that he's going to attach to him or he's going to have underneath him or something. And in that bag, there's like a thousand feet of rope and a hammer. So what he, in a stake, and what he's going to do is he's just going to take the hammer, hammer it into the ground and then just like use the rope and throw it over and just like use his hands to kind of like let himself he's, he's down just going out to send it yeah dude so <laughs> what so, so what happens is so what happens is is this guy this guy gets up there and can he, i just say from a technical standpoint dude, i can see no flaws with this plan dude, yeah, yeah this, dude, this so, sounds totally safe yeah it sounds great right yeah, yeah of course dude. yeah just throw a rope over a thousand feet you'll be good you don't yeah, need a harness one, nothing one stake no redundancy yeah just Who use your fucking hands yeah. man you know so of course, guess what happens? The guy lands on top of Devil's Tower, and so the first part is planned. So the first part works. Right, so okay. he's a great parachutist. He's a great parachutist, right? Everything goes south from there because the fucking bag goes flying right over the fucking right over the side. Wait, he didn't have the bag attached to him, dude. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't really remember the remnants of the story, but the guy is stranded on fucking Devil's Tower. Like he's stranded there. This is back. This is, dude. This is back in like nineteen. 20 1930 or actually no i think it was even in the 1800s pot 
I don't, dude, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was early 1900s. It was, was there definitely someone, like, in the balloon with them, or did that just fly off into the stratosphere? I'm pretty sure. Too? I'm pretty yeah. <laughs> fucking balloon just, just like blows up. Like, what the fuck's balloon? going on yeah. here? Um, there might have there might have been someone piloting the balloon. Um, okay, but right. I'm pretty sure that that's how he got up there. But this guy is fucking stranded up on Devil's <laughs> Tower by himself with like no way to get down. Right, and so. Like, he's just like, oh, fuck. He's like, well, shit, I don't know what the fuck to do up here. So what they did was all these people tried figuring out how to fucking save this guy. And they, did, they, had, they had no idea. Like, because climbing wasn't, climbing wasn't around then. It was just this guy fucking stuck up on this huge feature. And he looks over the edge and he's just like, well, fuck. So he takes a note or he takes a bottle and he throws it over. And that's how he's communicating with people. So he wrote in this in this paper and he said, I need whiskey. <laughs> so he's like, the first thing that he's thinking is that he needs to get drunk as fuck. And I'm like, well, you know, well, okay. I was like, like another guy in another balloon jumped down with a bottle so, of whiskey. So two guys stranded, but they have whiskey. At least how yeah, did they get that up to I have no idea, dude. So I think that's what they did was they took the balloon and the guy goes up. And then they throw they throw the stuff over in the balloon, kind of like as a resupply. Because I don't know, I don't think that they had aircraft, you know, like like fixed wing stuff. It was just balloons at the time. But anyways, like they had no idea how to fucking save this dude because he's like <laughs> stuck up on Devil's Tower. There's no way to like get down. They're like, well, we can't we can't throw shit over because there's weather. Devil's Tower is super windy. You know, there's like it's a, there's a lot of wind, so like sometimes the balloon will fucking dude. They try doing all sorts of shit. So finally, like. Someone ended up basically like, all right, I'm fucking, I have no, I'm, I'm giving up. He's like, we, we got to contact some people out of state. So they contact some people from like out of state. I, I don't know where the fuck they were, but they were climbers. So all they do is they're just like, oh shit. Okay, cool. We get to climb Devil's Tower. They go up fucking ting, 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 fucking put in some pitons, go up, basically do like what you were saying before, save this guy's life. And they were like, oh yeah. So the guy up top, he's like completely fucking hammered, just like having a good time. Like five days goes by or he's just like getting drunk as fuck, you know, like just like eating all this food and like doing all this kind of shit. And then these climbers, the five days dude, right? right? Yeah. He's just like, fuck yeah. So then these like, these climbers come and just save him. And he's like, oh, this is cool. And then he just, they just bring him down. And then he just, goes down yeah what? but he was like i want to see if i can i want to see if i can land on devil's tower and he like makes this big thing in the newspaper and he only told one reporter that he was going to do this only one reporter <laughs> so that reporter's like oh cool and then like more people started finding out about it because he was fucking stranded up there before him actually them being interested that he's going to parachute on it so that oh, was like the big wild. ordeal yeah yeah <laughs> so that was like it was it was pretty it was pretty interesting reading that uh reading that tale uh, i forget the name of the guy though but you can go on google and you can see the whole the whole different um aspect of the story that's gonna um, be my new approach tactic to like longer dude, far out there climbs dude, is just take a hot air balloon dude and, fuck man, yeah right is, yeah go back dude, to the roots dude hell yeah man like it's like this is the pin this is this is how they started dude imagine like that would be like a crazy fucking new sport that we invent like like free falling free falling climbing like just mix all the words together or some shit like i don't fucking know dude like just mix all those words together into like something stupid and you know the more you know, extreme a sport is the more hyphens it needs dude yeah like you know you know like back in the day people are probably thinking to themselves they're like oh man this is never gonna take off and then all of a sudden like it turns into like this huge fucking like this just this huge crazy thing there's always a bunch of crazy people out there that are willing to do stuff you know um but yeah dude back to uh back to joshua tree man beautiful beautiful area um, where did you end up um, driving to uh, after that? Like where I know you said that you've driven across this, the states like at least ten or eleven times. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I mean, after on the same trip, I had a buddy of mine fly into Vegas, picked him up, and we just like spent a week, went back to Joshua Tree, 
uh, bounced up to bishop for a little bit. And, um, and yeah. what are what are you doing when you're out there on these on these trips? Like, what are you? Do you have any specific routes that you you have in mind, or are you just kind of um, like, hey, um, we're just gonna wing it? Sometimes more than others. This one, I just totally wung it. Um, but <laughs> nice. it's more. A lot of it is um, seeing where some friends that I have are, and like going from there. Sometimes I'll have a specific objective in mind, but I, know, I just kind of like to go with the flow on things, mm-hmm. which. If I had more of a plan, I would probably yeah. have a more impressive tick list. Um, yeah, most of the time, just winging it, I guess. And um, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that approach either. You know, yeah. most of the time, we don't have any goals in mind. When I've only been climbing for two years, two yeah. years, you know. Um, and I guess most of my main objectives are like, well, you're gonna have a good time, and just everything that you do, try to make sure you can learn something yeah, from it. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Fucking jumping on a hot air balloon and just like we're gonna fucking parachute out of this shit, you know? Um, that actually like, if that dude had the bag attached to him, that would be the raddest dude, thing ever. I think, <laughs> like, dude, I think that that's like what a the yeah tweed suit yeah, like dude, wrapping like, down Devil's fuck, Tower like, as his hot air balloon crashes in the distance, <laughs> fucking blows yeah, up like, like all this fucking turn fun. of the century Mission Impossible shit right there. Because dude, I don't know how the fuck. Sorry, like I don't know how the fuck. That I guess that it's like if you would think about it, it must be super fucking windy up there. Like it has to be. It has to be super stupid fucking windy at the top of Devil's yeah, Tower. It can you like know? Wyoming in general. One of the times I was driving through there, I was um, they have like signs on the road which is like, "Hey, tractor trailers, careful! <laughs> you guys might get rolled over because of the wind." Jesus Christ, man, that's fucking crazy, man. And like even when we were out in Colorado, dude, and. Like we were up, we were up in this like elevation kind of um, type thing. And my friend Becky says to me, she's like, oh, Josh, like, be careful. There's fucking sheep. You know, there's this bighorn sheep. There's elk. And I was like, oh, how, how oh, bad? I was like, cool. how, I was like, yeah. how fucking bad can it be? You know? And then like within like five seconds of her saying this, like a fucking elk jumps out like on the side of the highway and is like, yep, there it is. <laughs> like didn't jump in the highway, but like on the side of the highway, she's like, yep, there it is. And um, dude, I got all these crazy shots of these, um, of these fucking goats and stuff or goat fucking bighorn sheep right and they're yeah, like right on the they're yeah dude they're fucking crazy too man because, jumping off dude, 20 yeah, foot dude, cliffs yeah, like right? herds yeah. of them just arguing yeah. over you're like what and uh my, my friend uh my roommate brandy was talking about that the other day on the podcast too is that like these these animals that are they have their their feet are like a fucking modified climbing shoe right because they have so much rubber in there and like they could fucking climb all sorts of rock you know like they eat the rock or whatever the fuck it is you know like it's in the it's like in their blood you know and uh <laughs> she's like i'm like oh yeah man like i say to her i'm like oh yeah man those things can climb and then she just like interjects and she's like yeah apparently they can fucking die too and dude i just started laughing so hard because she's like yeah like you see these bighorn sheep but then you approach a crag and you see this like carcass like at the bottom of the fucking climb with this like dead ass sheep and i'm like oh, that's a that's a that's a great way to start a fucking day like oh wow this you're approaching this climb and you're just like oh wow i can't wait to climb and you see this dead sheep like right next to you like oh man this is there's, there's the fuck, this is the sheep of the herd yeah right oh there, fuck yeah. this is this is a little fucking scary you know like this fucking sheep's about to just fucking pass out and die um, hey still on still working yes i hope so hey can you do me a favor if you see this battery turning red can like this this light right here if it's red can you let me know yeah for sure is it green still it's still green yeah okay you're good. because unfortunately this microphone is battery like it's it's the battery that one i need to get that microphone over there but that one is like 80 bucks 
this one is like two hundred dollars. So this one is a lot better. It's the one that you can put on top of a DSLR, you know, or the oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, like the the one that you can interview people with and stuff. Um, that one doesn't require battery. <laughs> so I've lost about forty five minutes of audio with this thing before because I was talking <laughs> to my buddy. We, I think one of the podcast episodes I had with my buddy Ryan down in Nashua. We were we were sitting in his living room. We were going over some stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, dude, the lights off." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, the lights off." And I was like, "Oh shit!" So oh, we like yeah. lost, like we had like this epic conversation about <laughs> just like everything, and then yeah, it, it it went off. So I got I got a backup battery, but I think that this one is approaching. I think it's like maybe four sevenths. Right. Is that a really just, weird... like, wave your arms around if you think of it and want me to check? Yeah, it's All cool right. because I'm gonna get lost in thought. But as yeah. long as I keep looking at the thing, the volume on the surface to see that it's it's going oh, up yeah. and down, it should right. be fine. You don't find you, like you don't those bike mirrors. Yeah, you don't find that distracting at all, do you? No, not too much. Okay. I like kind of look at it to know whether I'm yelling or talking normal or talking. Those levels and shit you see going up and down. Yeah. Yeah, those levels you see going up and down. Like if you go like like that, see how it see how it skyrockets like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's bad, right? Um, uh, we don't want that. Yeah, you don't want that. Okay. But sometimes, sometimes it can be. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 okay. The levels are fine because um, you can go in and you can adjust it and stuff. So all those different levels you see, and then there's like this this hissing thing in the background called like noise. And then you have to like reduce what they call like noise reduction, where there's that like that, that you know you ever hear like the yeah, ringing just in like your ears? Yeah, the white noise. Yeah, audio. where it's yeah. like where it's like. Well, like the microphone picks up a lot of ambient sound, even even the vibration of the room and stuff. And so that's why I needed to get that like specific microphone is that it's designed for more for vocals than it is actually um, like, you know, someone strumming on a guitar or something, you know. And that's why like having a mixer with all the different knobs, I still have no idea what half these fucking knobs do. But it increases the audio quality a lot more because XLR microphones are like if you're trying to go for really top quality that's the way to go is to, is to actually have a mixer and it's a fucking pain in the ass trying to get, trying to, trying to get everything kind of like situated. But once you figure it out and you have the audio that you like, it's usually, it's usually pretty sound, man. But, um, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like there's a lot going on. I would get overwhelmed. I don't have any idea what half those other fucking knobs do. Now there's, there's ways to, um, there's ways to like, you know, some people have tutorials and all that kind of stuff. And I know that like you've got gain. So like see these little, little, little lights going up and down. That's like our, that, that means that I know that your mic is working and I can, like if someone was in here that knew what the fuck they were doing, like you could move these knobs and shit, but I, I still have no idea what I'm doing. So, um, I just know that a mixer is good, apparently. And does one to, of those give me like an auto tone? Because I definitely want to sound like a pop singer for the next half of this. Can you know, that's a you know that's that a happen? I was like I was like you know that's a good idea. Maybe we can actually do that. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, can we, we should just do, do that. like T Pain sing the rest dude, of this. Dude, I'm on a boat, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm on a boat. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, that'd be fucking dude. That dude, that T Pain walks through the door. He's like, "What's up?" He's like, "What's up?" It's like I choose pain yeah yeah for I, sure. I would gladly give up my chair <laughs> dude i would too i'd be like bro just take my podcast i'll just i'll just i'll just be i'll let you do the interview i'll just be your dude I'll, that does I'll all this shit this knob. I won't yeah. Touch the rest of my, I, yeah. yeah i don't know what i'm doing but i'll just make it seem like i know what i'm doing you know like yeah yeah sure um but anyways getting back on track uh to what we were talking about before um what were we talking about before i think we were talking about joshua tree or your many road trips you've been on um yeah yeah i thought that rings a bell yeah yeah. so we're really bad at staying on track it's okay i think that i think that most people actually the thing is that i love about this about podcasts is that you don't actually need to have any specific thing dude it's just having conversation it's just it's just literally like talking about shit drinking coffee and 
like even before I was mentioning to you, um, like, dude, man, if I had some of my friends that were on here, oh God, dude, like it'd be, it'd be explicit content for sure. You know, explicit, like extremely explicit. <laughs> like some of my military friends, shit, dude, my climbing, some climbing friends are worse than people that are in the military, you know? Um, and they have like just, oh man, it, it would, it would be, it would be, it would be epic. It would be epic for sure. You know? Um, but what is one of your, favorite places if you had to narrow it down being out west and you had the ability to choose where you wanted to climb what would be one of the places that you would you would like if you were to look at something like idaho wyoming you know something like that like where is a place that you really felt like wow this this place is gorgeous i feel that i could either want to climb here or i want to spend more time here you know it's a toss-up for me, probably between the Sierra Nevada and um, probably Wyoming, Idaho area, because mm-hmm. I think, like like I said, there's I'm more exploratory these days, and there's just a lot to go check out and explore there. Um, those would probably be the two, yeah. I just have a lot of fond memories of those, and they're like a lot of places I drive away from, like, oh, that was awesome, but like yeah. I'm glad to be moving on. Like those yeah. are the two where I'm just always kind of. I'm not ready to go yet. Yeah. yeah, there's still so much cool shit everywhere, dude. dude and and like I was uh, having a conversation with my buddy Kyle. Same thing. He just came back. He's a, so I mentioned all these friends I've talked to on my on my podcast because I get, I get to know so much about them, you know. And a very good friend of mine named Kyle loves motorcycles. He's been shooting. He he went to school for photography. He does a lot of commercial work. He does a lot of um. Um, so does he mostly shoot motorcycles or is that um, kind of his jam or I think I think that's what he would prefer to shoot I, th- I think that he would if he had to if he had to shoot something like professionally that he would love I think it would be cars and motorcycles for sure you know um, I don't know if it involves like moving you know moving stuff like that um, but you're literally like a split image of, of Kyle like you two would be bros like oh that's funny you, call you, him up man get him in dude here. that's why I'm trying to get him into climbing yeah <laughs> you're literally like his exact same height like his exact same like mannerisms everything yeah, sorry about that. Um, just like slight interruptions on my podcast. It's inevitable. But anyways, um, so dude, getting back to um, when I was in Idaho, dude, I landed in Boise, right? And one of the distinct differences I noticed between Idaho and Boise was that like Idaho, same thing, a lot of rolling hills, still Rocky Mountains, you know, um, but dude, very unknown territory, very unknown territory. And Again, like my friend Kyle, dude, he was telling me you two are literally like split images. You're, I swear to God, you're like brothers from another mother. Like talk the same way. Yeah, so like you're just, saying he's just a really cool dude. Pretty much, yeah, right, yeah, right, of course, right. yeah, yeah. Um, he's got the beard, everything, dude. You know, got it going on. Um, and he was saying that when he was on his road trip, he only had thirty days to do to do this road trip. You know, and he gets to set his own schedule. You know, I I, I don't know actually. I don't want to. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if he. Yeah, dude, that literally just literally just made it on this podcast. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say. Yeah, so that's my that's my roommate's cat that jumps into my lap that decides to cry. Um, But he was saying that Idaho has this this beauty to it, and some of the most gorgeous places in the entire country. You know, and there's not really um, there's not enough time to see the entire place in just one month. You know, so I think that that's what's getting back to like saying what some people cherish over what others don't is that sometimes, you know, having the ability to explore these areas and just really like just take in every, every, everywhere you're at, you know, to really kind of appreciate like just 
putting things into perspective and how small you, I don't want to say how insignificant someone is, but just realizing like how small you are compared to like, I don't know, man, just it's, it's, it's definitely, I can't describe it. Yeah. It's, I think like significance is a relative thing. And when you're in these like wild places and oh like going back to the desert and joshua tree like i remember there's not much light pollution in some of those canyons and stuff oh, and, like dude. sitting under the stars and it does does give you this feeling of insignificance and i don't think yeah. it's a bad thing i think it's just like it puts uh, it in it's a, a good thing yeah, yeah i think it's healthy to be yeah. like oh hey yeah like what i do doesn't matter as much in the grand scheme of things so yeah it is cool to like be in my dude. van and shoot a bunch of photos yeah. rather than yeah, doing a real job or like yeah uh, it, it perspectivizes like how you want to act to and what's important i think maybe that's where you're going with it maybe yeah. snowballing but yeah. yeah no 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 that's that's definitely because i'm i'm good with words in a in a sense but there's this like barrier inside my mind sometimes when i'm trying to really encaps- encapsulate what i'm trying to say and i get wrapped up in like so many different thoughts right and abstract concepts yeah yeah, to, yeah. so like what i us is good with words <laughs> perfect perfect yeah, i'll just i'll just use yeah i'll just i'll just use you as like my siri and then you just pop out be like all right this is what he's trying to say you know um but i really have to like slow down and take the time to just kind of explain things which isn't bad um but dude utah man what were we talking about before um Feeling insignificant in open spaces. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Utah, yeah. Utah. So, right, dude, yes. the stars, the stars, man. Um, there's actually a shot I have of my buddy Sean. Um, I never met him, actually. Um, and this is the first time I, like, six-hour drive from Denver to Colorado. So, he's like, yeah, man, dude. He's like, oh, man, look at this amazing shot. So, you want to know what he does? He whips out his ball sack. And he's like, dude, take a shot of the Milky Way. And I'm like, sick. So, I have this shot of, well... I used to have this shot. I think I'm pretty sure I still have it, but he like whips. <laughs> it's like ball sack image where it's just like him standing there with his shorts and like the Milky Way in the background. And then it's like, what's that? It's like, he's out of, he's out of focus. Like it's blurry, but it's like, it's like legitimately just him with a ball sack, like just chilling in this picture. And it's like, yeah, he just like, he's like, Oh man, I, I know what to do. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, yep, there it is. He's definitely doing that. And he just whips out his nutsack <laughs> and just like stands there and is like all right sick so take a shot I, I, yeah it like gives Great. me a shot i do you gotta line yeah. up like right along the bottom of ryan's belt so it looks like a ryan just has yeah. a big hairy pair hanging from the stars yeah, dude right yeah yeah for sure um <laughs> dude yeah that was a, that was a, that was a little bit yeah that was a little bit of a trip and that that same that same um the next night we were actually fucking hitchhiking um we finished the canyon and he's like canyoneering is a little different than climbing that I never, I never even knew that canyoneering is a little different than climbing. Cause it's just, it's more so I think of like the repelling aspect of it and um, the, the bags and the equipment you use. And so so yeah, it's, it's a lot very, more technicalities. Yeah. To it, I think. It's a, yeah. yeah. It was very interesting and I'm not, I'm not well versed in it. Like I'm not a professional, but Sean, Sean is kind of like my, I guess you could say that he's like the guide, you know, he's the, he's the mentor for a lot of people that are, that are out there. And, um, I was just offering to take pictures with, um, you know, going out there and stuff like that. Um, but like we were just, yeah, dude, we were just fucking hitchhiking and the same thing. Like it's like, all right, well, there's no cars around here. And you just look, you just look in the distance and you see all the, you see all the stars and all the fucking rock, dude. And 
we did some light painting where we were actually like painting the rock because my buddy was using his headlamp and it oh, just yeah, looks yeah, yeah dude it's it's so i've got this like can you like pull some of those shots up can i see it? is that easy enough to find or they're 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 gone man oh too soon Sorry. they're gone dude <laughs> oh, they're shit. gone yeah those ones those ones are actually um I might actually, maybe. Oh, so they're on my. They're actually on my Instagram. Um, yeah. I happen to do have one. I'd, that I'd I prefer can show to see you. the uh, the light painting one over the nutsack feature. Yeah, but yeah. If I, prefer, if I, yeah. I'll take whatever. Personally, you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one is actually. So that's one of the light painting ones that we had. Oh, that came out killer. Yeah, yeah. dude. I so sucked at light painting. Like, dude, you it's, even got the reds out in that. Dude, so what I did was I. I I took my camera. This is actually with a D700. This is a camera back from 2008. It's only 12 megapixels, right? Because oh, wow. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to damage my. I didn't want to. Da- <laughs> I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you that story here in a second. But <laughs> I didn't want to damage my 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 badass camera I had if something was to happen to it, right? So I have two full frame cameras. I have a D810 and a D700. My D700 is the one that I'm like, okay, if something happens to this not the end of the world but it's still a great camera that takes amazing images you know um and then like the canyons dude this is how high up we were it was just dude it was gorgeous dude it was yeah it was it was beautiful right and gotta get back out there dude i know right (laughs) like dude i i was amazed at this at this fucking place man and i think i have an image of where we were standing at the very end um See if I can pull it up real quick with my uh, friend Becky actually standing at the edge. She's she's basically standing. So, like, that's the Colorado River, and you're standing, and you're about 500. You're about 500 feet up at this picture. Maybe th- maybe not 500. Maybe like 300 feet up. Um, for those listening, I'm just showing him some pictures on my on my Instagram. You can definitely go and, and check it out if you want. Um, and then, yeah, man, dude, it was so fucking gorgeous there, dude. But um, this picture. Is my buddy Sean, right? Oh, and okay, yeah. So we were actually, I was, I'm sitting back like this in a cave. And this picture I took, um, you can take a Is look at that. Is that just from like headlamp light or were you using a flash? Or no, dude, did... that's just, that's just how it was. It was just hitting his face. That's just how the light was hitting his face. Oh, that's killer. And yeah, that's dude, a good portrait. All, yeah, dude, all I had with me was a D700, which is, a, again, it's a dated camera back from 2008 right and I'm, I'm leaning up on my I'm like leaning up against the rock like this with my pack and I've got this thing called a cotton carrier which um, allows me to like lock the actual camera to my pack and it sits kind of like tethered to my how do you to, like that thing it's not bad dude um, it's so I've got there's there's two ones there's the actual vest there's like the vest one that the camera will sit right here which is a lot better for actual longer lenses and I've actually seen um, a mutual friend Brent that we that we know or I, I don't know him you you know him I'm, I'm just yeah, familiar with yeah. his work um, I've seen him before with the vest and it's a lot easier for longer lenses because it sits on your chest right here and it, like it if, if there's it's bouncing around it's not gonna do much it's not going to do much to you. I'm just always you know? afraid it's going to like break and fall dude, off of a cliff. Dude, which is exactly what fucking happened with like, this. I with want the, seven dude, straps dude, and insurance. Which is exactly <laughs> what happened in this instance where I had just taken that picture of Sean, right? And um, don't worry about it. It's just oh, the microphone. Okay. Yeah. I'm just over here hitting the mic. Yeah, it's dude, cool. it's cool. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm a stickler for audio, but I'm not like super fucking crazy about it. Don't right, worry about yeah. it. Um, so as I had the fucking camera attached to my actual um, pack strap that's how it sits right is that you take this like velcro thing and you just wrap it around your backpack strap and I, i'm sure i'm sure you've 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 seen those things and they're not bad but that tether system isn't always the, it isn't always the best right so yeah. 
you have to like you have to like turn it kind of like can't your camera a little bit and then slide it into this slot and then turn it back this way so the lens is facing 90 degrees like downwards. How hard is it to turn it back up is it's, what I want. It's you actually, have to like actually work well, dude, for it's, it? It's actually, it's actually not that bad. It takes a little bit to get used to, but what I think you really need is you really, it has to situate with a certain type of pack strap that if you have a very thin kind of like, like pack strap, it's not really going to work that well. Like it needs to be like, what I wish is that it had a little bit more adjustability you know, for it. And it works, it works great for what it does. But the problem is, is that like when I'm sitting there and I'm doing all this crazy shit, because we do some, we do some pretty extreme stuff, you know, like when we're climbing or we're, we're doing whatever it, it works for what it is with repelling, but it, yes, you do have to work for it and it doesn't sit, which yeah. is exactly what happened because I thought that I had, I had put it in. So you turn it 90 degrees one way. And then as you slide it down into this locked position, you, you turn it again 90 degrees and that's what's supposed to keep it in position, right? And it actually doesn't require much effort at first. You get you get used to it. You get used to it and typically like, you know, you'll take two hands and you'll just do it. But the little screw on the bottom, it's it's held into position with the tripod mount on the bottom of the camera. And you have to use that that Allen wrench in order to tighten it. Well, I didn't have that Allen wrench on me, so right? Just so like, so I was just like, well, it gets loose from doing it from so, so much and... It was just, dude, again, climbing, man. We're fucking, we're doing some crazy shit. So I had had to take this thing on and off probably around 200 or 300 times during that trip. That's how much on and off I was I was <laughs> taking this thing off, right? And so over time, it's just, it's naturally going to become loose. I don't think that there's anything that they can really do about it, you know, but that's okay. But sitting in the back of this cave, that's where I had taken that picture of Sean. And I actually was joking about this with my buddy Kyle on, on that podcast episode. I was like, yeah, so remember that camera you sold me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, dude, I took this amazing shot. I show him the picture. And then not fucking two minutes later, I drop the camera in the water, like fucking lens down first. Dude, I was like, what the fuck, man? Like took this amazing image. was so proud of it. And fucking like two seconds later, I end up dropping the camera in the water. I pick it up and I'm just like, fuck, dude, like, God damn it didn't the lens the lens focuses somewhat okay um there's a little there's still a little bit of problems with um because it's a it's a nikon 50 millimeter 1.8 d so yeah. it's a it's a it's a little bit of a dated lens but it's only 75 bucks yeah so i wasn't so beat up as if i was like using one of my more prolific fucking yeah, cameras like, like one of my cameras, yeah dude essentially yeah. yeah yeah but it still takes such amazing images that I, I was I was very proud of that of that shot it was really it was a really good it was a killer shot man dude yeah, yeah. And, and that was that was just that was just a natural um that was a natural shot that I I didn't all I did was I went into Lightroom and I I adjusted a little bit of the clarity and I brought down a little bit of the black so I gave him this kind of like Sean if you're listening I'm sorry but I photoshopped the fuck out of your face no I'm just kidding um but all I did was I, I gave it this like kind of coarse look to I think what most um what most people would be appealed to when they look at when they're doing that kind of climbing yeah, you know like, that kind of like yeah. old school grittiness to it yeah which yeah. Is, yeah yeah those are the portrait dude those are the portrait shots that i love is just like with climbing you get to see the struggle in the face you know you get to see the crazy shit that people are doing when they're like putting their hand in a fucking crack and they're just like oh you see like all the pain and agony that they're going through and you get you get right in there you yeah. know whereas like you you're 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 playing football and someone on the sidelines is told that this is where you have to stand. They have a helmet on. You can't see, you can't get in as close as you can 
with someone that's like climbing, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of intensity to that sport. Yeah. And it's, I think we were saying earlier, it's kind of a personal thing too. And a climbing yeah. photography definitely brings that out. It's, it's fun. I think like climbing, caving, or anything that has that sense of adventure. It's just, oh man, that was. I'm just gonna ramble more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, dude. It's it's. Go ahead, go ahead. Ramble, dude. If you want. I was gonna say. I lost my train. Of thought okay, you don't worry one. about it. ADD's kicking in. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, dude, and and that's why I think like. I think that that is what brings most climbing photographers together is they understand the struggle for that looking for those images you know or like the struggle of losing the struggle of losing a camera (laughs) or like watching it plummet to the fucking ground and then like blowing it off afterwards be like yeah this thing's still good you know put it in a bag of rice yeah dude yeah (laughs) throw it dude i i I dropped i dropped my d810 in idaho in water oh shit did it still work is it like um i had to send so i was using my favorite lens which is a 28 millimeter prime um, 1.8 that nikon makes and it's my it's my favorite focal length right because what i find is that sometimes 50 millimeters is a little too far you know it's a little it's a little too far so i was like all right i i want i need somewhere in between and it was either a 35 or 28 right Mm -hmm. because i love i love just a little bit wider and 28 was the perfect compromise and Optically speaking, that lens is, it's really sound. It produces really good quality images, true colors, all, all sorts of stuff, you know? Um, and yep, I took an amazing shot of a waterfall and I fell in the water right afterwards with the camera <laughs> and I fucking destroyed the lens and the camera was, the camera wasn't, I thought the camera was destroyed. Nope. Um, I was just a fucking idiot and decided that I could balance myself on some rocks and fell right into the right into the water. Yeah, and the thing yeah, is, you got the shot. Right? I got the that's, shot. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what matters. that's what matters. Yeah. But there's like this. It's funny because there was there was this entourage of people like standing by this waterfall, and they're all like, "Oh shit, this guy's going down!" As if they're like they're like take, placing bets for like how long I'm gonna like you know stay dry for, and then I fucking went down. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they said they said uh, when I sent the when I sent the lens into repair, they said that it was actually it wasn't due to water damage. It was actually due to the impact that the camera had actually sustained. Um, but that was the first time I had ever submerged a camera. Um, and I got the lens about maybe, I got it back about two weeks ago. Um, perf- works perfectly fine. Works perfectly fine. But oh, I was yeah. I was scared, dude. And I've, I've, I've fucked up some gear myself. I've, I've dropped like lenses. I've, dude, I don't know how my cameras have survived some of the things that they have. But that's why gear is gears gear is like important to a certain extent but i don't think that it's 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 everything you know no i think if like there was a saying i heard when i started shooting and it's uh the best camera is the camera you're gonna use and it can be anything and another friend of mine uh andrew drummond was talking one day and he said something that stuck struck with me too it was like it can be it doesn't matter if the image is like perfect quality or like industry standards it's the story behind it dude for sure i think like i try to shoot more photojournalistically as well and i think that definitely holds true Mm -hmm. like some of my favorite shots are ones which are you're looking at it and it's just like man you know like this isn't my best shot but i i love it i love this this. yeah yeah i think there's something that when you're in that moment it's a hard thing to quantify unless you're the one pressing the shutter button. Dude, for sure. But. For sure. And and I think that when it comes to certain, you know, people's approaches to when it like climbing photography, dude, there's just there's there's a lot of potential for 
I don't, I just lost my train of thought, but, um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Common, common um, trend here. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's just <laughs> like photojournalism is so important, man. In telling stories through images or you can have fine art shots or, or, or anything, man. It's it, there's a, there's a lot of different approaches, but what, like you said, there's a guy by the name of Zach Arias and uh, same thing, very same, same thing that he was talking about is that the best camera is the one that you have on you. If you're one of those people that argues online, about fate on Facebook, you know, and you're zooming into a thousand percent and you're like, Oh, this fucking pixels broken right here. Or whatever. You know, it's like, dude, you're like, you're don't, the point, yeah. Bro. It's like, dude, <laughs> yeah. don't like you're, 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 you, you're, you're a gearhead and there's nothing wrong with being a gearhead in photography because that's how we have, we need those people because that's how we have the ability to take a fucking a, a shot from my phone that does like 30 million different things, you know? And most of the time, dude, even if, even if someone is using their own cell phone, as like a climbing photographer too, there's even, there's even nothing wrong with that. You know, this little portable device that I could fucking upload instantly to Instagram. You know, there's, there's a lot of potential and in, in, that's awesome. Jimmy Chin fucking does that. You know, he's been he, in interviews. He's like, yeah. Um, they're asking him like what he uses for gears. Um, my cell phone. Seven. Yeah. He's <laughs> like my, uh, my, my cell phone. Cause I do photography for a living. So, um, I just, I don't really want to carry my camera on me, so I just carry my cell phone, and that's pretty much what I use. The photos that he's taken with his iPhone have been featured on Nat Geo. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, you can't get too caught up in like like you were saying about everything being perfect, too, especially if you're doing adventure photography, because like some shots, you're like, well, it's. 15 below right now the wind's yeah. howling at 50 yeah. miles per hour there's sleep my lens is fogging up uh wipe this off hope i yeah. didn't scratch that up oh that's kind of a cool shot yeah a yeah. lot of times you can almost like use some of that too to draw it in like yeah find lighting in the way it reflects off of the snow i, I just like that more of a challenge i would get bored right? if i was in a studio like dude, if that, i had, I, had oh, control man. over the lighting i'd take like two shots and be like well fuck this i'm going for a walk yeah dude right like <laughs> i just i would get i would get so uh, some people can do commercial photography dude and they can they well, can some people kill it at dude it. Like, they I'm, do I'm a little so envious of that, dude but, yeah <laughs> I, that's that's why like i want to i was actually looking at um kyle do that one day i was just i went over to i went over to one of his places he was showing me all this kind of stuff and dude it's it's intense man like 95 percent of it is all set up like situating the lighting getting all the like obviously you know your measurements and shutter speed and iso everything um dude but can but you dude, imagine doing that shit with dude, film too dude right <laughs> right dude you go and you look and then you realize that like your fucking your your shot is like i would i would go through like 10 rolls to be sure that like my my stuff is good um yeah. But, talking to this one dude he wasn't a photographer but his his dad was and he was saying he was helping his dad once when he was a kid and his dad had built this tiny little replica of a village mm -hmm. and had a prism hanging over like the church or something and tried to shine light in it and just went through like four rolls of film walking around it trying to get the perfect star dude, off the prism dude it's <laughs> i'm just like nowadays in photoshop you can just like stretch, dude, you, stretch yeah get, right it's i don't know it's kind of it loses a little bit i think but Cause like we were talking yesterday, that was, that was what we were talking about. My friend, uh, he, he still shoots film and he was going over the different appeals between like digital and film and like shooting film. Cause that's how I started was actually on film and digital the exact same time. I have three, four fucking film cameras in my room right now. I only ever really use one or two of them, but there's a Leica I have. And the story that I was saying the other day is that that Leica that I have was actually the account that my father told me was that that Leica, it's a German um, camera manufacturer that's very prestigious in the photography community. 
the, featured the, in Euro Trip, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. The debate between whether it's really worth the money, that's a, that's a whole nother ballgame because you're paying like $5,000, $6,000. Uh, my opinion is that you're spending the money for the name brand, you know, the name brand of, of Leica, but the quality and, and the feel. People, people have this, you know, some people are a little bit more, you know, I'm moving my hand, showing the money sign. You know, some people have some money to spend and there's absolutely nothing yeah, wrong with going that. Going to the camera you know? store and just, make yeah, it just rain fucking a making bit. it rain, yeah. dude, you know, and, and, um, like a, like yeah, a, like yeah dude, right. And some people, some people like that, but that camera, that film camera, they preferred to actually, sh- or that was how they could only fucking shoot back in the day up on Everest was with these fucking film cameras. Because yeah, some of those shots are killer. Dude, like, you right? look at some of them, it's like yeah. the composition's all fucked up, the shadows are off, but yeah. it's still, like, some of those draw me in more than a shot on Everest nowadays with perfect color. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's just, dude, some of, the, some of the shots that people had on film back in the day, like, to see how conservative they were with shooting, and, dude, it's just, it's, it's insane to me that, you know, um, these, these cameras are being hauled up fucking Everest. That's apparently where that camera had been that Leica that I have. It's a Leica oh, M3. No yeah. So do you know like, so when, like what party brought it up or anything like about the, that the or? whole, the whole, he went up on the top. Apparently, supposedly he went up top that guy. So the story behind it is that the box. So there's a box. If you look behind you, there's actually, you see that box over there. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a case. It's a, under the, under the, um, pot plant. Oh yeah, yeah. Not 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 actual like marijuana plant, but pot pot plant, whatever. Um, <laughs> people fucking come in, start raiding my shit. We're gonna drug test you. You know, I'm in the National Guard. Oh, pot plant. Oh, fuck. People start repelling and shit. Drug test. Pee in this cup. Um, but oh, um, no, I swear. No. Oh shit! I swear to God, guys. Um, it's but just um, a succulent. <laughs> it's a byproduct. Uh, they they can't. They can't. Yeah, yeah. Succulent. They, son. they can't test for it. They they can't test for this, right? Um, but uh, no, that 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 in in that in that camera case there is. A card and on the card it it sat for so long that case sat for so long because I don't know the story behind where the what happened to the photographer like the Nat Geo photographer I know the story of the camera and that photographer but on that thing oh, there's so it's a, on like a Nat Geo assignment yeah so oh, the guy killer. so the guy was up there I think it was back in the 60s my dad this my dad originally had told me that it was the first camera that was ever up on Everest right that's not that's not true unfortunately because yeah. it's a Leica M3 right and the Leica M3 actually came out in 1962 1963 i believe yeah. right and the first scale of Everest was in 1953 with Tenzing Norgay and I'm Sir Edmund Hillary that. did they have summit photos i remember some photos of them in like the blessing ceremonies and the camps but i can't yeah see that's why that's the trouble with it that's the trouble with that claim is that it's the first it's the first camera up on Everest i don't think that I don't think that that would be the first Leica up on Everest. And this is why I'm a little plagued by it, is that that camera, that model, the M3, didn't come out until 62 or 63. Yeah. So I'm just going to Google real quick. Yeah, dude, go ahead. I'm actually curious the original Ascend had summit photos. But here's here's the twist of it, is that even though that camera supposedly went up to Everest and took pictures of it with with the film in there, in that card over there, there's a name on it, and you can you can Google the guy's name. I don't know it offhand, but when I Googled it, and I went through like National Geo archives and everything like that, that photographer that owned that camera actually got to meet President Kennedy back in 1963. Oh no! And, way. Yeah, so you'll see President Kennedy, and then you'll see the guy that allegedly owned that Leica M3, and I'm in possession of that camera now. So I'm like, I'm never fucking getting rid of this damn thing. And dude, guess what? It still shoots. It still shoots, but there's like some fungus in the middle of the lens, unfortunately. And most labs, like I'm trying to, I ended up talking to a friend, trying to see if we could take the, um, 
take the lens and get it repaired or get it get it sent in to be cleaned because it's the vintage it's a vintage lens. The problem is it's fungus. And most labs don't want to actually they 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 don't again they I'm not just don't want to expose that. Yeah, that's yeah. a problem is that a, a very a very pristine clean environment where they don't want any micro um, organisms or whatever it can damage other people's lenses so if you sit down with this fungus it can fuck up and it's not like on the outside it's not like something that you can just wipe you know like you would on your phone or something no it like got some sort of condensation in the lens yeah and, yeah because oh, dude it's dude sucks. it sat forever it sat that thing sat like the, i don't know how long like 30 40 years supposedly it sat dude you can go look at that case and you'll see how yeah, can I, can fuck I dude yeah go that? ahead dude i want to yeah. see this camera yeah so um, actually, hang on one sec, one sec. Yeah, what were we talking? This is like the third time, third or fourth time <laughs> we've taken a break. Stop getting distracted. Yeah, dude, we got, so I just showed uh, Jared the Leica, supposed Leica camera that was up on Mount Everest, but I'm not, again, I'm not 100% if that's actually, if it was up there, but if it is, it's, dude, it's so, that's cool. That's cool as fuck. But what I do know is that under National Geographic's archives, Supposedly, that same name that is in that, um, so I'll show you the card after, but that card that's in that, it's hard to make out. So I kind of like botched Google the guy's name. Yeah. And that guy that owned what he was a photographer was standing next to President Kennedy in the National Geographic archives back in the day. And it had to do with a an expedition that had gone up on Everest in the 60s. Yeah, I don't know, man, but that's a, that's a, it would Wouldn't be surprise me, but yeah. I don't, do you think that's something like I can't, do you think that someone would, would you get the camera fixed and continuously use it? You know what I mean? I don't know if I would want to get the camera. You saw how it's kind of falling apart, right? Yeah. Well, I totally would, but I'm kind of reckless with things yeah, with yeah, historical yeah. value sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So. I know. But. That's why I'm like, I don't know if it would, if it would be money, more money. It's unfortunate it sat for so long because I feel like it's losing, it lost its, its, it's still like prestigious. It's Leica, you know. They still go for a good like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars on eBay. Just like even if even if they um, have been somewhat used and they're in good condition, they still go for fifteen hundred bucks. That's not even talking about the lenses that go with those things, because yeah. dude, the Germans were so fucking crazy. Look at their tanks in World War II. They over-engineered the fuck out of those things, and they broke down. <laughs> Unfortunately, Germans just over-engineer everything, and that's why like Leicas are so fucking sought after. Is that they took this they took this camera and they like pioneered everything that people were looking for and it's a very sought after camera dude and I, I really love shooting I really love shooting the Leica don't do it as much I don't even know how to change the film and the damn thing it's been so long you know um, I mean but, I, like I said earlier I learned from a bunch of like 12 year old kids on YouTube so dude those are the best kid who's dude, show you there's literally yeah he's, he's showing me way he probably like there's a there's a kid get, that could write like a fucking graduate paper on like how to change film in a, in a Leica M3 you know yeah whole time doing it playing uh playing a cell phone game yeah he's like sitting there playing a cell phone it's like it's just he just does it as like his nap time you know um (laughs) but um dude so we 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 talked a lot about what you've actually done in the united states have you what have you done i i think i've seen a couple of your pictures where you've actually been out of the united states doing certain things yeah, I was in Nepal for a little bit shooting with um, Northeast Mountaineering, the guide service that I'd mentioned before. 
So we did a trek up to Everest Base Camp there and summited a lesser peak. Dude, okay, I have so many questions. All right, go ahead, keep going. Uh, that start with your questions. I'm really bad at like talking about things I've done. So if you give me something to go off of, it'll, okay. It'll so be there was a guy when I was out in Colorado, and he was telling me that when he landed in Nepal, that's one of the places I want to go to. What are yeah. the people? What are the people like there? Um, most of them were super friendly. It was, yeah, I mean, it was total chaos, like landing in Kathmandu. It was like no traffic laws or anything. So there's motorcycles. They love like the little 125 and 250 motorcycles because yeah. everything's yeah. so tight. So they're ripping yeah. around everywhere. And they actually have these like welded on shin guards because they're always bumping their <laughs> yeah. shins against yeah. things yeah. so much in like smaller cars ripping around, but no traffic laws, which you would think it would be like a lot of accidents, but well, I, I think see I, one. Like, yeah, I think I think that they just get used to it. You know, yeah. it's like it's like um, they, they all a, pay attention. Yeah, you go they're, down they're, the highway at eighty and like yeah. controlled environment. You don't pay attention, but yeah. they're just like you could be going at five miles an hour, and yeah. all of a sudden, like a goat with a kid riding <laughs> it runs out in front of you or something. Dude, I was um, thing, I was in New York City, and a friend was telling me about that in Vietnam. They're like, if you're gonna cross a street, don't stop because they'll just go around you. Like if you stop, they'll that's more dangerous if you stop. Like yeah, you just, you just walk and people, yeah, just, just fucking send it, man. You know, and people will just, they'll, they'll go right around you, you know, and here you go. There's no, there's no crosswalks. You just walk out in the street and all the fucking, you know, buses and everything. Yeah. They, they, they just start going right by everybody and they just, they just figure it out, you know, and apparently statistically speaking, there's actually like just as many casualties in certain developed countries that have crosswalks as there is with people without crosswalks. So it's like really, it's like this weird thing. It's, is all, that, it's all a shit show. Yeah, it's man. like, it's, it's all, all yeah, theory. it's all, it's all, yeah, people are going to get where they want to go, you know, um, and it has to do, I think it's, they just know, like culturally speaking, you know, it's just, yeah, it's wherever. Um, but when you landed there, um, were people really hassling you for money? Were people like trying to hustle you and stuff? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, like one of the first things that happened is we like went out, got out of the airport, and this guy just came up and was like, "Here, let me help you put the bags in the car. Twenty bucks." <laughs> yeah. Just like, no, dude, no, no, no. So there were some people who did it like that, and then there were other people who were like more diplomatic about it. I guess mm -hmm. like I would always try to like sneak out early just to like around dawn shoot photos and stuff and hopefully mm -hmm. make it back to when we were in Kathmandu, the hotel that we were staying in before everyone yeah. else left without me. Yeah, yeah. And I was just cruising around one day and like no one's out this early. Everyone's still sleeping except for the people who are kind of like starting to get going. And they had these rickshaw things and um, they would just give tourist rides around. So this one guy on this rickshaw like comes up and just starts riding next to me. <laughs> yeah, he's like matching my pace as I'm walking down the road. And he's and like, he's, just, he's like, just waiting for eye contact. Like he wasn't even waiting, man. He was just like, got this, got this. He yeah. like offered me a spot to like go find weed. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. He was like throwing everything he could. He's like, I'll give you a ride, I'll give you a tour. And then he was finally like, all right, no charge. I'm like. I know he's going to charge me later, so just, like, whatever, fuck it. So I just, like, got in the thing, and he paddled, like, pedaled around and, like, totally hustling me. And then, like, we got to the end, and he was like, all right, pay me now. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, so I was kind of going along with him, like, dude, you said no charge. You said no charge, just and trying so he's to. just, like, not getting like, upset. He's like, shit, I did say that. So then yeah. I just tried to offer him, like, the equivalent of 10 cents just to yeah. be, like, kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, no charge. And so we just kind of like haggled a little bit back and forth. Like I said, I was just being a jerk a yeah, little bit, which yeah. I felt bad about, but yeah, it was kind cause... of funny. But end up giving him like a few bucks and gave him more because I was like, "Hey man, can I get a can I get a photo of you?" So begrudgingly he did, but then we were like good about it. So there was like everything was kind of a 
everything felt like a little bit of a hustle there. Like there, that culture is used to bartering a lot. Mm-hmm. So you could go into a shop and they would give you a price and you'd be like, no, no, no. But it was kind of like a hard time too. Cause even though it was a couple years after the earthquake, like there was definitely still, you could see some of the effects of it. Like when mm-hmm. we first landed and got into the car to get to the hotel. What, what year did you, what year did you go? Oh God, I'm bad at years. Uh, uh, it's 2019 this year. Yeah, so. <laughs> it doesn't help. That means I have to count still. I think it was uh, April of 2017. It mm-hmm. was, yeah, 2017. So that was, I think, two years after the earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Because like, that was a, dude. That was a, that was a tough. That was a tough time for those people. Yeah, for sure. And they still had some aid tents set up in the mountains, and like a lot of debris and um, Kathmandu still. Like some of the buildings were still being held up with like two by fours T braced together and leaned up against it. And I was like this one kid, I got a photo of him. It's on my website and he's just like, you see him in like sandals, a pair of shorts, like with a shovel with earthquake debris, like walking along a wall. And like that part was kind of tough for me, but they were yeah. rebuilding a lot of it. Like they were starting to redo a lot of the infrastructure and water mains. Cause they were like, well, it's messed up anyway. So it was definitely, I think, trying to find itself a little bit still. And I think a lot of the people you were asking about that earlier were, like, hopeful about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's totally a tourist industry. Yeah, because that's how they that's how they get a lot of their that's how they get a lot of their money, dude. That's how in, they get the majority of it is people yeah. summiting Everest. So that's another thing I think that them as a country is going to have to come to terms with or figure out a way to do is the massive amount of people on Everest. And what do you? What's your opinion? Yeah, what's your opinion on the commercialization of like climbing the mountain over there? Um. I mean, me getting into climbing was a totally personal thing. So being over there in a commercial aspect of it was a total, total shift of what I was used mm. to. Um, and I think it's necessary for them. And it's not the style of climbing that I would, like I said, that I was used to at all. And I think that having to make money, they're giving a lot of permits. And there's, once again, my opinion, but there have been some articles and stuff written on it too. And I think if they're going to make it a sustainable industry, they're going to have to figure out a way to offset the trash on Everest. I've seen dude, offset I've, like climate change and how that's going to affect the climbing routes. Dude, I've seen and, pictures of the tanks that are up there. Yeah, the, the just the sheer amount of trash that's on Everest. It's 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 astounding at what I mean. It, in in their defense, dude, you're at thirty three. You're at thirty percent oxygen compared to where we're at. What we're at five hundred feet in sea level right now. Yeah, you're at the altitude of a fucking normal commercial jet, you know, and unless I think the thing is, is that I don't know if it would be something they need to develop to get rid of the trash or something else. Maybe like from a technological standpoint, like oxygen tanks or the way to summit Everest. I don't know what's, what's the other, what's the alternative to getting rid of the trash. It's dangerous. It's essentially, it, it could, kill someone just trying to remove trash trying to find someone to to do that you know and it's unfortunate because there's a guy there's a guy by the name of of uh, jeff evans and he was actually um he was one of the chief medics that was at everest base camp and he was on joe rogan's podcast and he was he was talking about like how so he summited everest back in 2001 right Mm -hmm. when it was starting to see the commercialization that was going on but there were these people that are going up into the mountains. I'm not saying I want to go up and climb Everest myself right now. According to what he, his, his personal belief is that you need to get Jeff Evans. He's got this kind of like, you know, he's got this kind of like, you know, 
teeth cut. You need to get your teeth cut in, in the mountains. And that's how you would establish yourself to climb Everest is that you earned your right to be there. Yeah. Where these people have never put crampons on before. And they go up and they're like, okay, we're going to we're gonna throw our crampons on, you know. And essentially, the amount of people, the Sherpas, the ones who are putting their lives on the life, or excuse me, putting their lives on the line, putting their lives on the line for other people because it's like they're making a little bit more than the average person would in a in a in a typical typical nine to five you know or whatever the amount of hours that they would that they would work for yeah, that week the Sherpas put an you know? immense amount of work like Dude. even the peak we did we did a smaller one called Imjase or Island Peak is um the other name for it and a lot of those glaciers, the crevasses will shift, so they're constantly having to go around, change the ladders, reestablish the lines. They put in an immense amount of work, but the more people you get, the more work it's going to mm-hmm. be, yep. and it's going to yeah. create more and more problems. So I, I can totally see the economic necessity of commercial mountaineering, mm-hmm. but it's also you're in this beautiful place, which brings up the argument of like whether you can love something to death or not. And I think yeah. that's an important argument that needs to be had in a lot of avenues. Yeah, because they there's like you know the whole leave no trace aspect of things, and yeah, that's you know it's it, yeah. I'm like I'm like there's yeah when you get up there, it's like yeah. well, dude, you know, like there was um there was a, a instance where they were up on I think Jeff Evans was talking about this, dude. That, that's a very interesting listen. I highly recommend it. I'll actually send it to you after this. Yeah, he please was do. A, Make me a list of things. because yeah. I'm really bad at. I'll, I'll, I'm making a mental note. I'll yeah. send it to you. It's I'm, I'm always excited. Jeff, for that. Je- yeah, Jeffrey B. Evans. He was actually up on. Um, I think I follow him on Instagram. Actually. You might actually. Yeah. yeah, he he was he's a um, physician's assistant, and he went to Iraq for I think two months, two or three months, and he volunteered to go over there, and he was a chief medic. He's a climber. He yeah. was a chief medic up on Mount Everest, right? And he had a, uh, an, a show called Everest Air where the pilots come up and they end up, you know, being evacuated off the mountain and, and all this kind of stuff. And he was going into detail about what happens with these people that show up that have no, like, I'm again, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a fucking established climber. I only know how to sport climb, dude. Like, I have trouble setting up fucking topper banker, okay? You know, and like, but to see these people come up these mountains traditionally what the 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 route would be that that he had established is that people come into the united states they go they do these they do these these 14 peaks in colorado they go and they do mount rainier then they go and they do mount denali and they they've got this established repertoire of summiting these mountains right there wasn't any commercialization back then they were doing it for the love of it they had the establishment of it right yeah and then all of a sudden Rob Hall, you know, these people back in, back in the early nineties, you know, oh, 2000. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, and, I've read the books. Yep. And, yep. And yeah. yeah. And they end up, they end up establishing again, the commercialization of Everest. And unfortunately these, these people show up in, in a helo, you know, and they've never, they're, they're, they're very established in their, in their personal lives and careers. And then they want to summit Everest and it's almost as if they're unprepared, you know, and is there, is there, uh, is there a possible discussion going on? Like before you, before you do Everest, you need to do like these mountains here, but how, how you can't, you can't do that, you know, because like you were saying, Nepal needs the tourist industry in the amount that they charge yeah, that for country these would be devastated if it didn't have that income, like it would be yeah. 
Yeah, dude, so I I can't sit here. And yeah, like, and you know what I mean, and that's why like to hell with commercial. Yeah, and that's why like yeah, I don't be saying to hell to an entire. Yeah, there's population. like there's all these there's all these controversial topics, and I don't know the answer to them. You know, I don't know the answer to them. I find I find the stories very interesting, and I'm I'm ext- I dude I I love reading about that kind of stuff. I love listening to it, listening to Jeff Evans talk about like the <laughs> there was a there was a story that he was talking about in the podcast about how this man comes down from the mountain and he ended up leaving his wife up on Everest. He just left her. The thing is though, is there are two sides of the story is that did he leave her to come get, to come get help because she didn't want to move. She wasn't, she wasn't motivated to move or did he come back down to get help to go back up to end up saving her? You see what I mean? So like there's two trains of thought where he just like left her because she was, there's nothing, there's not much you can do at that altitude. Like people aren't thinking clearly, you know? And yeah. It's like it, it messes with you, dude. For sure. I, we only did the peak we did was slightly over twenty thousand feet, mm-hmm. and I'd gotten kind of like uh, we'd all gotten this kind of cough thing, and uh, so I was even at twenty thousand feet with that, I wasn't oxygenated well. Like the pressure, the amount of oxygen still there, but it's the pressure is so much yeah. less. It's not pushing it through the air sacs in your lungs, and she, just hypoxia is weird. It's dude, a yeah. really weird even, thing. Like I left, I left Boston at like fucking zero feet in elevation, you know? And like, this was back in April of last year. Um, a friend of mine named Becky was, she was, um, we were doing a, a hike when it was actually snowing out and I was fucking scared. I was fucking scared shitless. Like <laughs> Becky, if you're listening, I was fucking scared shitless, you know? And even at, even I had only been there for about three or four days and dude, we were at, I think she said that we were at 12,500 13,000 feet. And I had never experienced altitude in my life. Now I've been in Afghanistan, right? I've been in the mountains in Afghanistan and, but we were only at about like 6,000, 7,000 feet, yeah. you know? So that was another question I wanted to ask you was like the elevation and going through, going through all the different areas where you were, how, how did you, how did you kind of deal? Like, what was, what was that feeling when you were dealing with the, the hypoxia and everything like that? Like what is, it was, it was hit or miss. Like there would be some days I'd feel great. And like I said, I kind of got a couple other illnesses. So it's hard for me to like mm. differentiate whether I was feeling like shit because of the altitude or whether I was feeling like shit because of something else. But can you get a little closer? Oh to the yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Do you want me to like, no, you're say good. That you're again? good. You're good. No, you're good. Um, it's just, it's a little, it's a little low. Yeah. You're good. So yeah, I think the, man, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> um, I think the worst thing was I would just like, I would get these occasional headaches and that was mostly the worst that I yeah, got. That's, that's what I got too. Yeah. I got a, I got a headache. Yeah. yeah. And um, I would just get lethargic sometimes. Like we would go up a few thousand feet during a day and then I would just go for like a little hike by myself to shoot some photos after yeah. I'd be moving really, really, really slow mm-hmm. and then go back down sleep for the night and I'd be good. So it came and went in flux it felt like um so i didn't get it too too bad um there were but they have rescue helicopters for all the commercial people for people who don't make it they'll have you get rescue insurance for it um and that way if something happens they fly a helicopter in and fly you out so yeah. i think they were like our guide was saying they're mostly like english and australian pilots yeah. <laughs> that's dude, how they some made their living was fucking skilled some out. dude listen so I've flown with a couple of the New Hampshire National Guard pilots, and I've mentioned that to them. They're like, those guys are fucking some skilled, some skilled pilots. Yeah. I guess I guess it has to do with the with the 
the pressure of Dude, the, the pressure again. and yeah, everything it's fucking <laughs> nuts yeah. man i'm just like holy shit like they're explaining it to me like they're breaking it down i'm not a pilot i'm fucking stupid i have trouble trying to work a coffee maker but the way that they're like <laughs> the way that they're explaining it to me it's 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 challenge it's a challenging environment dude it's a very it's a it's a very hostile environment for the human body to to go through you know yeah it's kind of like a kick in the nuts almost in in some in some regards to people that haven't like dude i was only again i was only at thirteen thousand feet dude and like i was having like i just i didn't really feel like i was present like i, I didn't i just i it's different man it's a very hard it's a very yeah, hard it's like a surreal yeah. feeling like dude, everything it, feels a little delayed and you feel a little drunk kind of almost in a in a weird i don't want to i don't know if that's the right way to put it uh, drunk works pretty yeah, well like that, that threshold yeah, before yeah. between like you're on point you can like you're on that like buzz level point before you yeah. tip into drunk where yeah. you're like is this good or bad yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah i think around 8,000 feet is when your body starts having trouble getting oxygenated. And one of the things that we did was spend time acclimating. I was there for almost a month and a good point of part of the time we spent um, walking around Mm -hmm. and that allows your body because over time there's oxygen sensors. Um, I think it's the peripheral ones, which yes, the peripheral oxygen sensors, which more or less sense that your body is not getting as much. So it'll start to kick in and you'll start generating more red blood cells. So over time, mm-hmm. your body will actually start to physiologically adapt. And if you're going into higher altitude, it's important to think about that, and especially in the planning. Um, so we took rest days and a lot of our rest days had um, acclimatization hikes, which we'd go up a little higher, then go back down. But... No matter what, you kind of feel it because your body is going through physiological changes to try to keep up with, like you'd said, this harsh environment. Mm. Um, I it, lost my train of thought. On no, that and uh, no, yeah. dude, that's that's good. That's good. That's perfect. And I was going to ask, like, going through. So when you land in Kathmandu, what's the elevation you land, or what's the elevation in Kathmandu when you're? When that's you're... a good question. It's not that high. I don't mm. think you um, you don't get too too high up. I'm actually going to Google this now. I think I think you're only at about a thousand. You're only at about yeah, fifteen hundred. I was thinking like eight hundred so, or something around there. And so then... I've seen I've seen videos of um like are you familiar with the film Maru? Yeah, yeah. So going from Kathmandu where you were staying for a few days before you started your transition into going into the actual valleys, what was it like traveling through those places to get like just seeing the scenery and seeing all the mountains and everything? Was what what was that like? Um, it was otherworldly. Yeah. Um, well, we left Kathmandu and we flew into Lukla, which is slightly under 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And we were there in the spring. So one of the things I remember is there was a lot of, um, rhododendrons out. Mm -hmm. And so it was really pretty like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. 4,600 feet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I knew it wasn't too, too high. So slightly, slightly less than the highest point in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Um, So like that wasn't too, too bad. There was a lot of air pollution in Kathmandu. Like it doesn't, it's kind of, uh, it's a beautiful place, but it's doesn't have the best like air quality control is yeah. kind of built up as a city. Yeah, they don't have like they they don't have someone like the EPA to monitor, you know, all their all their stuff and everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then getting into the mountains, like I said, it was, you start in almost these jungle areas and we'd get up higher into like the moraine zones with these scattered boulder fields. And that was really pretty. I think what struck me most about the country is just like the colors and the smells because there's so much going on. There's like, mm-hmm. you'll be walking by, there's someone with a tea house, there's someone with spices, and then there's someone with a bunch of like weak old dead chickens on a table all selling yeah. them in Kathmandu. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go up higher and it's just like yaks tourists yeah really fragrant smelling flowers a lot of dust so did you did you come across a lot of other westerners that were that were hiking throughout the area you know like is there is there are they are they an insane amount on the main trails yeah Mm -hmm. there would be like lines of people going up towards everest base camp and we were also there in the busy season too um a lot of times like i said i would like leave early or like duck out and to shoot some photos so once you got off of that it got a little more peaceful but Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of trekkers through there. It's a pretty popular area. Um, yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's, dude, I, I think that it's, a, um, I think the Himalayas is, is definitely on my, it's definitely on my, my bucket list. But at the same time, um, I, I, I actually want to possibly do Mount Denali. And the next, it's something I, I think I would do within the next 10 years, you know. Yeah. And I've definitely got like, I'm, I read Rock Climber's training manual, so all I'm doing this year is, I, I think I talked to you about this before, is that I'm, I'm fucking training like a madman for rock climbing because my goal this year is I want to send a couple 11 Cs and stuff like that in, in, in Rumney, you know, and then branch out. But in the book, they talk about goal setting. You know, it's one of the things that they talk about is like, what, what do you want to do within like the next 10 years and as soon as they as soon as they say that, it's this fucking thing, dude. It's kind of comical. It's like, what do you want to do in the next ten years? You turn the page and here's fucking the author of the book, like on Mount Denali. You're like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like what the fuck, man? You know, and it's like this crazy shot of him like on Mount Denali, like fucking the crampons on and all this like ice axes hey, man, and the shit. First step yeah. Starts somewhere, right? yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, I've got a lot to fucking do, you know. But um, he 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 was talking about goals. Is that um. When he was actually, before he went on Mount Denali up in Alaska, for those listening, Mount Denali is also known as Mount McKinley. Is it Mount McKinley or Mount, or is that It's Brown McKinley, Mo- yeah. Yeah, Mount, they, Mount. They officially renamed it to Denali, yeah. I'm pretty sure, though. I'm really bad at remembering stuff yeah, like Yeah, because I didn't know if it was, yeah. if it was that or Mount Rainier where they were, they were, it was the, the names that they were, they were going between, um, but either way. It was way, after President McKinley, and it was always in Denali National Park, and I yeah. want to say, like, within the last 10 years they reverted back yeah um in that that like prerequisite to get there um i was you know he established like he wanted to do mount denali right and he so he came up with a list of things that he was qualified for (laughs) which was only like one or two things like oh i know how to open a door great and then the other one was like the all these unlist all these unqualified things and the more that he thought about it the more and more he realized, like, holy shit, I got a lot to work on. But chipping away at it, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a few years, you know, um, I think that that would be kind of cool because the Himalayas is something that you need to devote. Like, you can't just go there in like a week. You know, I feel like you need to, like you said, you were there for about a month. Like, you need to devote a certain amount of time to it. You know, if you're going to if you're going to go up that high, you know, you need to acclimate and you need to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you definitely I mean, you can do it quick, but the chances of you actually like achieving your mm. your goal and not walking away with either in a helicopter yeah. ride or like yep. having 
other things go wrong get slim i'm just like oh if you want to spend that much money to do somewhere like put the time in it's like anything else i'd say but there's you also never know what it's like until you go do it yeah so you can't like dwell on it too too much i guess but are you are you glad you get that you actually did that like what did you you went and you you were taking photos during this this whole thing Um, yeah yeah i'm really glad i went nepal is one of those places for me it was like it was just kind of eye-opening in a lot of ways. It wasn't, like, a good experience. It wasn't a bad experience, but it was just, like... You ingrain yourself in a different culture. And yeah. you experience, and I think that by doing that, you yourself become a little cultured. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was... And I would say definitely, like, spend time in Kathmandu a little bit if you do go. Um, mm-hmm. It was cool to get to explore that city a little bit. It was... Uh, like a funeral procession we got to see for a hindu funeral in like the middle of a crowded area because that's where a lot Mm -hmm. of their temples were yeah so it's like whoa like this is a really in western culture that'd be a private thing yeah just marching a body across this river there's another body there ready to be cremated and then there's a body in that fire right there and there's also the there's a giant population of buddhists from when um nepal had their or not Nepal, Tibet, and the Chinese took over, and I think they called it their cultural revolution or wherever, where they yeah, just the, the, slaughtered. The, the, the Chinese completely of... destroyed like 95% of Tibet's culture, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and actually a lot of the trekking routes were original trade routes between Tibet and Nepal, which have just kind of been taken over by yeah by climbers, which is a side story. But yeah, a lot of them shifted to um, Nepal, so there's a giant Buddhist culture there, and it's just... It's like you said, you get to ingrain yourself in the culture, and instead of staring up at a starry night sky and feeling a little more insignificant, you stare at a bunch of other human beings, and you're like, oh, shit, all right. <laughs> yeah, and dude, one of the one of the biggest things, if, if you're thinking about actually getting into, um, if you ever find yourself over there again, there's a really pristine thing that I also, on my bucket list as a photographer, want to photograph. Have you ever heard of Holy? Uh, or Holly? I think, I forget, I think it's called Holy, and it's in, I th- believe it's in... Um, india and what they do is they have all these colors and oh what they, yeah dude right the, like, they yeah have the colored, they, like, yeah the powder and the, okay yeah dude yeah yeah so that's yeah it's called I, I believe it's called i don't know i believe it's called holy but it's with an eye it's not like holy like we we deem it as something that is of divine divine um uh authentic authenticity i guess you could say i don't know i can't think of the fucking word but it's with H-O-L-I and they call it holy. And it's a, it's about like, um, again, I'm, I, it's been a while since I've looked it up, but it's about like spiritual, the, these colorful aspects of the personality, the self. And um, they throw basically like they just come together and they have this huge party where they throw all this dust and colors at all these different people and like trying to keep your camera lens clean. Everybody just comes together in this like sense of community and it's this giant festival where people are just throwing color at each other. And there's this guy who has to like cover up his camera so much because like people are like painting his face and all oh, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Like dude. So I'm like, yeah. how would I keep a camera lens clean with this? But the photos that people can get with that, especially over there, I want to go over and I don't know if they, I don't know if they actually, I think it's more of like what you were saying. It's more of a Hindu thing that it is actually a Buddhism, um, but they do it in India is, um, they have the, the holy um, festival that they do and they, they throw all that all those colors all over people and stuff like that and it's it's a really it's a really good experience you know to see the way that whether these people have nothing or they have something you know now, do you know like why they throw colors was there just uh, that's what I'm kind of curious there just I some think, guy who had this like 
pile of dust he threw at his yeah. friend and they thought it was a good idea so yeah. they kept rolling I think, with it or I, think like... I think what it means is it's it's celebrating um community and okay. it has to do with like the different colors of the spirit or something it has it has to do with part of their belief system that oh, okay. them spreading them spreading all these different colors of of the self and these colors like i think it has to do with color significance like this color represents this and purity and all these different things and just I mean, shit, even if, even if like, they don't even know what it means themselves, they're like, fuck, throw colors at each <laughs> other, you know? It's like, all right, cool. Um, but there's a um, really cool series on Netflix called Tales by Light, and there's a guy, he calls himself a death photographer, right? And when you were talking about the actual Hindu reason is that, does the Varanasi run right through, um, Paul, is that the river that runs through there? You're asking me something I'm bad yeah, at. Cause in, well, in, in, yeah, yeah, in that, in that series, yeah, in that series, what they do is they have people that in hindu culture to die and be um essentially i don't know if they burn to death or to have your ashes spread in the Varanasis. it's part of their, part yeah, of their culture it's you know? cremation that they yeah. do yeah, yeah they had them being prepped for cremation mm-hmm. in this um holy yeah. area and so and they had fires going in this funeral procession and yeah another funeral procession yeah so during that funeral procession what happens a lot of the times that in order for families to have inheritance is that some some of these families are you know significantly poor unfortunately you know circumstances life whatever um we're very we're very fortunate to be in america very fortunate to be in america i just that's something yeah. I'm, I'm happy i have a wall outlet by the way <laughs> you know i'm happy i have running water and i have a heater you know you definitely um, appreciate the little things a little yes, bit more when yes. you're like all right I, I lived in afghanistan for seven months without running water and this was down in helmand province and yeah. seeing seeing the way that those people live with absolutely nothing i was there for yeah i was there for seven months what were the people like there so the people there um they were the so pashtun culture is a little different than like most most other they were very friendly people actually they were very they're very nice people um the problem is is that they've lived an entire generation of war so um i can get a little wrapped up sometimes because i still do have post-traumatic stress from from that area um yeah that's but, uh, understandable for sure the the people there they were they were they were good people man like in all reality like as much as i say i i hate them for like viewing them as my enemy you know i don't think that that's the right mentality to have um fortunately you know they there's 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 a whole generation that grows up especially like in hell so in helmand province in afghanistan i'm actually reading a book on this right now in helmand province that's like where the taliban essentially came from right like that's their that's where they originated from the the idea the ideologies that they had as like sharia law so know? i'm and, really ignorant to a lot of the geography so is the helmand yeah. province kind of so, integral when they were fighting the soviets as well back, yes back so helmand yeah so, so yeah so they were they've been in the shit forever yeah, like, yeah yeah there's actually there was uh i was in a place called nauzad which was the most heavily mined district in all of all of helmand province right and so what the soviets did was that in order to fight the Afghans, what they did was that they would just mow down their cattle because they think that um, what they would do is that in order to defeat these people, they have to defeat their logistics. They have to kill the people specifically. So they would literally, mur- like 2 million people were killed in Afghanistan back in the back. They invaded in 1979, right? And then they pulled out in 1989. And then they were actually, um, there was like a civil war that took place 
right, in the 19, 1990s. And this is, this is when we were born. This is when me and you were born. This was happening back in 1995. The Taliban actually um, wasn't, wasn't actually established until 94. But then that ideology, with all the proxy wars that were going on, these people were so fed up with everything that was going on, they finally decided to adopt this kind of culture, which was basically like get rid of, get rid of, get rid of art, get rid of television, get rid of this. Women are required to wear a burqa. Women are required to do this. And there's all these different tribal communities within Afghanistan, right? There's no law, essentially. The only area that's really westernized is Kabul, right? So the way that these people deal with, um, the way that these people deal with law is they take the law into their own hands. And like, that's a very dangerous game because we were in a, there's a place called Changalak, which was actually in a, in a very small town. And, and these people, all they build stuff with is like, <laughs> these guys are building a hut. And though they do is they dig a hole and you've probably seen the moon dust kind of type stuff that's over there. Right. Yeah. So what they do is they dig a hole and they, they make it into a little kind of like pit. They throw more, <laughs> they throw a bunch of water in there. Right. And then they just mix it around until it's this like concrete mesh material. And then they just start stacking it on top of each other. And then they let the sun bake it, and that's how they make their buildings. And that material, since it gets baked and the the, the sand is so fine, that it's almost as str- if not stronger than concrete because the sun bakes it, and it's like it creates this really strong material. And so when we would happen to be like guys would happen to be in firefights or stuff, it'll stop rockets in its tracks. If it no depends, shit. yeah. If it depends on how thick the wall is, and these walls can be anywhere from maybe like six inches to like three four feet thick. Right? Yeah. And so they have all these, all the, and there's all these abandoned, what we call compounds, right? Because someone could, this is how they have been building their buildings for thousands and thousands of so years. So is compound just like a blanket term to describe all well, these buildings? Yeah. Or is it and, like but a these buildings, but th- yeah. And these buildings can be anywhere probably created from 1400 AD to anywhere from 2000 BC because you don't know. You don't know because that's how they've been building the building. So you could walk up to some place and it could be occupied by a family or it can't be occupied by a family. So you're just walking through Helmand province in the countryside and there's all these abandoned buildings, but it, it looks like from like, if you were to, if you were to take a helo and fly over, you would think that, Oh, look at this city. It's like, no, no, no. Those are, those are all abandoned. That's just, the buildings have just stayed there. They just, they don't go away because it only rains, you know, maybe in January. Right. So all these compounds are there and that's just where it stays, you know, and, and these people are, um, they have this like warrior culture kind of mentality to them. I feel that they inherited that from their, their parents, because again, back to the Soviets, you know, um, and they don't understand the concept of a job because what's weird is that like, okay, so I'm going to give you money to do, I'm going to give you money. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? What for? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, I want you to do a job for me. They're like, okay, and they'll just show up and they'll start doing stuff because they're expected to work. But the concept of if you, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do the work. In their culture, it's like it's expected of them that they have to do the work, and the family is going to have to do the work, right? So, like, why does my kid? Why am I going to send my kid to school? What reason? Why? That's dumb. He needs to be out in the field helping me. What the fuck is he going to get from learning one plus one? Okay, that's cool. That's great. That's not going to do anything. That's not going to help me get this poppy to sell it to the F, to the to the Taliban, you yeah. know. And what they'll do is they could. The, everybody makes poppy. Like ninety percent of the opium that comes from the world comes from Afghanistan. 
So what they would do in their culture is there's always a Taliban representative in Helmand province somewhere within the vicinity of the population, right? So where what we're doing is we're operating and we're doing our thing, but there's always a Taliban representative, someone, there's always someone that's affiliated with them, kind of like, oh, hey, man, I know, you know, you got a guy, dude? Like, yeah, man, I got a guy, you know? So that's how they, that's how they, they would, they would work their system of government is that it's kind of like, it's a, it's a concept of, of fear, you know, that these people that would say that they're, they're Taliban, but then they're, dude, it's, it's a, it's a really complex, like, so like system of government, dude. Do they yeah. know who is who? Or can yeah. Guys so like, like Taliban and no one knows. Yeah. Who so, or not, or? so let's say there's a farmer, there's a farmer and we walk up to him and we say, Hey, we're going to, we want you, we want you to make wheat. If you make wheat, you can sustain your own farm. Right. The guy will look at you puzzled and say, that's fucking stupid. He's like, I'll only make one fourth or one fifth as, as I would if I make wheat as I would if I'm, if I sell poppy or opium. Yeah. So what they do is they'll, they'll grow opium, sell it to the Taliban and then buy wheat <laughs> because if they grow wheat and we tell them, Hey, if you grow wheat, you can sustain yourself. They're like, well, okay. What, what's the point? Of okay. That? Well, yeah. what's the point of that? I can buy enough wheat to last me for two years where one, one harvest in the growing season, I'll be able to sell poppy. Why the fuck would I, I'm only going to make one fifth as I would for wheat. How, how long do I know the wheat's going to sustain me for? So there's like, there's all this, it's, it was a really weird culture, you know, and these, these people, um, taking the law into their own hands, there was a disagreement that a farmer had with another member of this small little town. He just walks out and just fucking shoots him square in the face. Damn. Yep. And they don't, they, so they, they, they have to have guns in their, in their, in to defend themselves from other tribes, right? So that's why when we would walk into the towns, if they're walking around with an AK-47, we can't, our rules of engagement is, is that if they point the weapon at us, that's what they call a hostile intent. <laughs> they start shooting at us. That's obviously we're going to engage. But the thing is, is that... When do you get the green light to like actually take defensive measures? Is it when they that's, point or that's the thing. until they is that, the That's shot? the thing. There's, like, there's also, there's kids walking around, these young kids with these, these turbans on and they're, they, you know, they have their little, it's a, it's a it, yeah, it's just a turban. I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what a turban is, but these kids are walking around with, with a turban and they have a little, like a little toy gun because we're all kids, you know, we're, we're kids. We have fucking toy guns, right? Yeah. But imagine being in Afghanistan and a kid comes up to you with a toy gun or an adult that takes the toy gun from his kid and he's got it in his hand. It's a difficult situation. And that's why, like, when you're walking through cities, it can be a little unnerving because you're so used to seeing these these people carry guns. They need them in order to defend themselves from, let's say, the Taliban or let's say another rival tribe or someone's coming to end up. They do not. Their neighbor who's pissed off at them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you're walking through, patrolling through these towns, and there's people carrying AK 47s right next to you. You know? And they're allowed to have an AK. They're allowed to have it. That's the thing is we can't impose our ideas on them in America to say, hey, we don't want to be an occupying force. Like, we're not allowed to show an American flag on our body armor because it shows us as an occupying force. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to actually show them that we're here to help. We're not here to take over because what the Soviets did was they were conquerors. You know, then the Taliban did the exact same thing. They're imposing all these restrictions on these people. We're here to help. We're here to show you like working for a job for this, which they still don't understand. But 
that's the impact of that that culture is how different how different it was for me. He's like same thing walking through a bazaar. We call it a bazaar, yeah. and just seeing all the all the different people and like they'll walk up to you and they'll grab you. <laughs> they'll they'll grab you because they know they can get away with it. And the distinct difference between the Iraqis and the Afghans was that the Iraqis were scared shitless of us because under Saddam, under Saddam's regime, he held those people with an iron fist. Yeah. And being in Afghanistan, these people just are used to death. They're just used to a lot of their population being fucking slaughtered in half. They were just like, you know, oh, a fucking bomb went off in the distance. Okay, that's cool. You know, where the Iraqi people, you pull out a pistol, everybody's going to fucking run because they associate someone with a pistol as having like a position of power. So like our corpsmen, (laughs) our corpsmen who have pistols on their hips, you know, they might think is like someone that's in charge or something, you know, but it's just corpsmen have a fucking pistol, you know, (laughs) it's just what, it's just what they have, you know? So that was, that was the, one of the biggest eye-opening things for me was just seeing even in the Middle East, the distinct difference between like the Iraqi culture and then the Afghan culture was that these, these people, they, they take matters into their own hands, but it's under like the pressure of fear from the Taliban. They were so scared of like repercussions of what would happen if they owned certain things or they had rifles or something like that. Here they are now allowing where we are allowing them to have rifles and we can't so take them from them but at this kind of like oh okay cool dude like you feel like they're waiting yeah. for the other boot to drop or something yeah so that's the really thing is that it's like it's a really difficult situation to kind of because every situation is going to be different there's a, any number of hypothetical situations that can happen i don't know the answer to all of them but you know like we get we get a basic we, we go through procedures on how to escalate certain things. If, if the guy comes up and there's like a disagreement between people, like not, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of things that, that get involved, but getting back to that case where the guy ended up shooting the other guy, they took matters into their own hands and they dragged. So that guy that got angry and killed the other farmer just over a small disagreement, they took that guy that killed the other guy. They dragged him off and I'm pretty sure they did the same thing. They killed him. So two people died out of it, but the town needed to maintain order. Yeah. So they like kept it underneath. They, they took the order underneath them. Like they, they took care of it themselves, you know, because they, there's like, it's not, there's not, I wouldn't necessarily call it anarchy, but it's like, they don't want to have to deal it's with the bullshit. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the fall of the Ottoman empire yeah. essentially. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so they don't, they don't want, they don't want to fucking have like, like you were saying, they need to have some form of of culture because in there to them, it's like the elders. It's all about the elders and the elder people are the one like the tribal chiefs and the people that have the wisdom. They're the ones in their culture. That's what they're supposed to do is that they're supposed to be the ones that are in charge that come together and they, they call them shuras where they mm-hmm. come together and we all sit down and we have a discussion and we exchange ideas and we talk, you know, which is something you don't really, <laughs> don't really see happening in, 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 a, in, in America, you know, but you have all these people that respect each other and it's all about like treating your guest treating your guest right, which is exactly what happened with like Marcus Luttrell during um, Lone Survivor. I don't know if you're familiar with that story where he was a Navy SEAL during Operation Red Wings. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's why he survived was because on, in Pashtu culture, they have to take in their guest and they have to defend that guest with their life or they have to treat him right. Well, the Taliban shows up and they were like, give us, give us this Navy SEAL. They're like, fuck you. We're not giving him up. 
and gonna they be like a huge sense of conflict on their yeah. part too because they're like yeah. we pissed these guys off yeah. we can't sell our yeah. opium or buy yeah. meat from like that's that's dude it's a, it's that an insane dude to that one crucial dude point so to them. there's there's a lot of like i'm reading a book right now called um no no good men among the living and it's about um this guy whose name is anand gopal and he went to afghanistan so dude listen to this listen to how fucking crazy this guy is right so he went to afghanistan in 2008 2009 as a journalist and just decided he wanted to go there and like hey i'm gonna grow out my beard i'm gonna learn the language and i'm just gonna fucking write a book and i'm gonna talk to the talk to these people now he establishes himself as an american and he just goes over there and he just is like i'm gonna talk to a couple taliban commanders I'm going to talk to like, you know, these people. He's like, if shit goes down, I'm like, that takes balls yeah. to do that. And it's a, it's a really, it's a really good read. Um, I think we're super fortunate to have people who are willing to yeah. do that, to kind of cross the cultural lines. It's, it's really reckless, but it's yeah. also like you learn a lot. And I think it's things like that is actually going to help us get out of that shit is understanding like where they're coming from yeah, a little bit too. It's, 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 it's disheartening sometimes like just being in America and seeing, I don't want to say people take it for granted, you know, but just, you can say it. I think, yeah, I think people, it's just, you grow dis, up with the, it. Your the discourse. Level of, yeah. Level of reference changes drastically. Yeah. It's the discourse that takes place between people and seeing the arguments that are taking place. And it's just like, I feel that it's a, it's a matter of entitlement you know, or a matter of like arguing from, from just the arguments, you know, and I, and I, I don't see discussions taking place. I don't see, I just see people drawing their line in the sand and saying like, this is it, you know, and it's either this or that, you know, there's no like, according to what we're supposed to have, like we're supposed to have, you know, like a, like a, like a bipartisan system where it's just, there's supposed to be progress, you know, and that's why I wish that what only like 30% of Americans have passports or something like that. I think it's even less than that. Maybe. Is that the number? It, I'm pretty sure it might even be it might even be less than that. Okay, yeah, I want to look this up. That's because insane. because like we have a lot of beautiful things here in the United States, but like what you did, you know, where you go over and you you see what how other people are living and you see what 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 do they have? They like these people are so fucking nice, right? These people are like, dude, I'm in, I'm in Iraq and people are fucking coming up to me, shaking my hand. And there were these kids, dude. I, I gave them a pen. I call. I, I wrote a. I think I wrote an um a. I think I wrote a thing about this in back in back in school. I called it the pen, the pen effect, <laughs> the penis effect. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was yeah, pen fifteen effect. No, but these kids walked up to me and they wanted a pen, dude. That was it, just a pen, because they live right by this place called Lake Lake um, Lake Habania is what it was called, and they had nothing. They didn't have pens to write or draw with. Damn. I gave them all my pens. Yeah. And a pe- and I gave them like a piece of paper so that I could give it to them because they live in mud huts and think about think they were of probably dude, the most amped man. They're probably be talking about that for 20 years. Dude, a pen. Yeah. Like just a pen. You know, to to write, to yeah. write with. They're yeah. probably they're probably doing stuff in the sand and then the sun then the fucking wind's going to come and destroy it because they it's moon dust. The sand is completely different over there than it is here, you know? And Dude, just a, just a pen, you know. These people aren't going to be able to leave where they're at. They're they're. I, I, it's really shitty to say, but they're stuck there, you know. Like we can just get, we can just decide to get up and leave and go wherever we want, you know. And and we can decide to fucking get a van and and go climb and and do all these amazing things, you know. And then 
to see like just a pen, you know, for for a kid. And dude, they were willing to beat the shit out of each other just for just for a small little pen. No, no, I have more. Yeah, have I'm like, more. I'm like, I've got yeah. more, man. No, don't don't try, don't don't, yeah. don't stab him with the pen, you know, to yeah. defend yourself. But um, no, dude, that, that was that was really crazy to me. With that, they were just looking for a simple pen because they didn't have paper. They they don't have they have animals and stuff like that, you know, to to sustain themselves, but they don't have like just a fucking piece of paper, dude. You know, they yeah. don't have the infrastructure to make it. It's luxury yeah. for them. Like yeah. that's that's insane. To dude, they were so happy, so, so fucking much. happy, dude. Just a pen, you know, something sitting here on the, on the table, you know. And so, like, whenever I get like a little discouraged about something, I'm just like, dude, like, wow, that's that's really powerful to think about. That I can all I have to do is just like think about a fucking something, a wall, a wall outlet, you know, like a roof, running water and and heat and you know, seeing the state that some of these, some of these people are in, dude, being, being cultured, I think is very, is very important, you know? Yeah. Um, traveling and. Well, you saw like, like the rawest element of it too. Cause there's, there's no tourism there. So there's like nothing to cater to. That's just no. like, this is, this is what we are. Don't like it. There's not yeah. shit we can do about and, it. And so it, that's, that's gotta be, I've never seen anything or been to a place like that. Dude. It's, it's weird to think about. I'm like, man, were we, were we like this? Like back in, like 10,000 BC or so, you know, like were, were we, were we like this tribalism that takes place where getting back to like that guy that shot that other farmer and they just drag, we didn't, I saw him shoot the other guy. I didn't see him drag the other guy off. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. So they might've, yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, the, 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 what was it? The, uh, what's it called? Um, the dark, the dark ages yeah, when they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, then there was like still a heavily established infrastructure to yeah. through the church. Like that's wow. Yeah. And dude, these people, like they, they, women, women over there don't leave the house. They don't at all. You do not look at their women. It's, it's, it's completed or it's considered extremely disrespectful. If you're a woman and you're out, out in public now, this, this was under the Taliban. Now, I don't know if this in Kabul, it's a little bit more Westernized because Kabul, there's a, it's a city. So it's a little, there's a little bit more, like there's a little bit more Western influence in Kabul mm-hmm. and in Iraq, it was the same thing. Like women could, you know, they have to, they don't have to wear like the full burqa, which is they cover their entire body. Um, but in traditional in traditional Muslim culture, it was that um, under the Taliban, women are not allowed. They were not allowed to leave the house, and this is what they were exposed to for almost maybe three, two, two gener- a generation essentially, two generations. You know, back 1979 to present, you know, women were not allowed to leave the house at all. They were considered property, and yeah. and also the things that take place is that this is going to get really fucking heavy here for a second is that they um have these kids that they call them t-boys or like they the, these boys yeah, I, I already these, hate where this is going yep, but sorry go yeah, on so yeah. these these boys essentially walk around and they have to they give chai which is their tea to their their elders or people that are there and we've heard of occurrences of what happens in the catholic church where there's been some like you know cases where there's been kids taken advantage of under certain things and we were aware that this was going on that the afghan army was doing this to kids that's fucked up dude and we weren't allowed and i don't want to say we weren't allowed to do anything but like how do you handle that situation yeah because like it's an army you need the support of for the objective for us to tell yeah for us to tell them for us to tell 
for us to tell them that you can't do this. What do you mean I can't do this? This is my fucking country. You see what I mean? That's a tough, those are, and those are situations that like special forces guys deal with all the time. They're not allowed to talk about. So I think that like people that are in the military and stuff like that, that have these repeated deployments, I think doing outside stuff, like what you like, what, what we're doing and stuff like that, dude, it's very beneficial for them to get out and, and, and like experience outdoor stuff and and do all that kind of stuff. Cause dude, it gets them out of that mentality and they're surrounding themselves with people, dude, we almost just died. Like, you know, and, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of the stuff, like the morality and ethical things that they have to deal with on a consistent basis is like, do we, do we intervene or do we not intervene this? Because is, is this part of them? Is this, what is, what is, if we're thinking about the mission or are we thinking about the moral and ethical thing that's right out of this, you know, and these kids that we see are getting like, they're getting taken advantage of by these, by these soldiers and women, women obviously are, you cannot touch another man's women because that's considered his, his property and yeah. that, that she lives in the house and she's there to raise kids. Now, if she's going to, if she's going to leave the house, she needs to be with either her husband's brother or if something happens to let's say something happens to her husband then she needs to look for remarriage again it's been a long time but i think she either needs either she needs to look for remarriage or if she does something then the village is gonna like essentially disown her and she's gonna be like stoned to death or something like something I, I, i didn't see any of that personally i didn't see any of that but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if something did happen to her where it didn't it didn't align with their values they're yeah. extremely radical, but us as Westerners, we, they would respect us because we're their guest, you know, but the people that they know are part of their own culture. That's like, oh, you're an, you're, you're under, you're part of my culture. I can treat you this way, yeah. you know? So if you have like an American woman where we're not allowed to touch them. So when we, when we would go and we would conduct searches, we would have what we call female engagement teams. And mm-hmm. these female engagement teams will go out and they'll talk to the women and ask for their opinion. But the thing is, is that... Well, even the men, I'd assume, like, why are you talking to my wife, even yep. if it's another woman? So that must yeah. have gotten, like, pretty heavy at times, yeah. too, right? Yeah. So that's why it's, like, it's one of those weird one-offs where we're trying to engage and get... I don't want to say get intel, but we're trying to um, we're trying to talk to these females to figure out, Hey, are your, what's, what's your living situation? Like, what's this like? Just basically trying to figure out, do they have the amenities in order to, in order to support themselves? But us as men, we're not allowed to, to touch them because if another man touches a woman, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine because they view me as a guest and I, I'm not familiar with their culture, but what takes place away from prying eyes after we leave is what is what could is potential. You know, yeah. that's scary. It's a very scary thought. And it, it's like, it's like living in fear, essentially. Maybe they aren't even living in fear. They're just, they're just, this is how it's, it's normal to them. Yeah. You know? Damn. Yeah. And, uh, even, um, what's his name? Steve McCurry, a very famous photographer. Um, I think it was 19, it was a 1983, 1984 picture he took of Sharbat, uh, Gula. And it was a cover of this 15 year old girl that was on the cover of National Geographic magazine. And, the look in her face she's got these green eyes these crazy oh, yeah, crazy yeah. green eyes yeah so I know you that photo. yeah the porch, so, the, like, the yes porch. Yeah, yes yeah. yeah so that was that was sharbat gula and that picture she was 15 years old she had just found out that both of her parents were killed in the in the afghan war and that's why like dude war is a it's a it's a very 
cultural thing. Like you get you get cultured for sure. Um, but I think that we see problems with that with people that are coming back or people that are aware of like what could what could take place. So like to come back to the United States and see all the discourse taking place, it can be very disheartening. You well, know I because we're like civilians too were incredibly polarized to it where yeah. you had wars like vietnam where the troops weren't well received but you were no. at least like seeing images and footage of the body bags coming home and you yeah. don't really get that anymore and so dude, it's almost like it's this far away concept yeah it's very it's, it's very distant from most people's minds and i think that we have to be very thankful for that generation to go through that for people to say support the troops and i'm extreme dude like that whole idea of like support the troops. That's why um, I'm a big supporter of people like that are veterans to come out and 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 do certain things. And you know, even people that even people that aren't allowed to serve, even people that aren't allowed to serve their country. Um, like there was a a thing that I was talking about that you don't need to be in uniform to serve your country. You know, like if a person gets wounded in uniform, there's a doctor there to save him. He's a civilian. You know, that guy's the man. For saving me you know this guy handing me like this thing as I come home he's doing his he's doing what he needs to do for his for he's serving his country being a decent person walking up to a homeless man and spitting on him just because you don't let's not what what's good at what's going to be good out of that no nah, spit you know? on the politician who put him there yeah spit yeah on anyone, you know he's just and it's just like to get by. Yeah. it's like there's all this there's all this these complicated things but I think by learning from certain people that have I don't want to say been there done that but um, just, yeah, man, it's, it's very, it's, it's a, it's, it's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> so like a Chinese yeah. curse or something, which is may you live in exciting times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah a like thing that. or a bad thing? I don't know. I don't know. I saw, um, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but getting back to, um, getting back to, um, do you have any do you have any future things you want to like any places you want to travel to or any future projects you're looking for everywhere i don't know i just kind of take it as they come up i'm at a point in my life where i started school again so i'm really like i'm selective about what i do and i'm at a point where i can be i'm really fortunate to be able to mm -hmm. so I don't, i'm not really like committed to having to have this project that project but mm -hmm. I just kind of take them as they come up. Like I just did a really fun one, which is a wedding shoot, which I hadn't really ever done any. How before, was that, was dude? How was wedding? How was how was weddings? Um, well, it was a totally non-traditional wedding. It was um, small family ceremony in Bermuda, and it was Grant and Emily was the name of the bride and groom, and they were awesome, and their family was awesome. But they reached out to me because they liked my climbing photography, and they were climbers. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's I fucking just, sick, like, man. Shot the ceremony, which was maybe like twenty minutes long, and then just like hung out with them in Bermuda, shot photos around Bermuda and shot them deep water soloing in like their wedding attire. Dude, that's awesome. Do you have, do you, do you have photos of this? Um, I might have some in a Dropbox. Hey, just, we'll show me well, after. Yeah, show me we'll, after. We'll show me after. Later, yeah, we'll figure it out yeah, after. So yeah. I'm just, I'm another, at a really fortunate for point where I can just be like, that project sounds awesome. I want to jump yeah. on that one or yeah. I can, I can skip it. So, um, I'd really like to get back to the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. um and once again having that luxury a lot of my projects are more just like i want to go climbing and like kind of photojournalistically shoot where i am and yeah. like try to blend in the culture and 
some sort of like either kinda, conservation or just like stories of the areas i'm in because no matter what as climbers like we have an impact because we're in these places and even if we're in them like super briefly it's still it's gonna have a lingering effect and i think that's something that we should be yeah for sure cognizant of yeah because if, if there's we need to we we need to sustain we need to sustain things you know and i think climbers are very climbers are some of the most cognizant of that i find you know they're, oh, yeah. they're dude they're some of the i've I've met some people where I used to work out at like a traditional gym and meathead kind of type guys. It's super nice people, you know, and there's always a few bad eggs in any, any, any bunch, you know, but for majority of the climbers I've met, I've, I've out of like a hundred climbers, I would say that I've only met like 0.1% of that one person. That's kind of like, what the fuck, you know, what the hell is this guy's a little off, you know, but then all of a sudden like 99% of those climbers were like, dude, we almost died, you know, and then it's just like, everybody's got this like crazy, Kind of, um, I think there's wrong. I think there's something psychologically wrong with every single climber, but it's like not a bad psychological, you know, there's like this nagging thing that is yeah, just something, yeah. something different. There. Yeah, there's yeah. something, something's twisted loose a little there, you know. Um, yeah, but are you, um, are you, uh, forgot my, I thought what I was gonna forgot, I was about to ask you. Um, so you're just, um, fuck, forgot my train of thought. It's all good. <laughs> um, no, so so you're just um, doing like side stuff right now uh, for your uh, photo stuff, or do you do you get like actually that's that's where I wanted to go with this is that um, so your photography. So are, do you do you have like a lot of affiliations and stuff like that, and like do you shoot specifically for certain types of um, magazines or just not hmm. so much? No, I just kind of like I said, I totally stumbled into it. So I do a lot of freelance stuff, and then I'll just when I have downtime, I'll go through a bunch of my images, try to submit some out, like I'll throw some prints in galleries and I'm just totally trying to work the hustle right now. So I don't yeah. have to get a real job while I'm in school. And I've also, when I'm back home from trips, I've done a lot of work in the past. So mm -hmm. oh. I've done a lot of like construction, landscaping, rope access work. And just, it's, it's just all a hustle for me right now. I don't make a living off of photography. It's just yeah. a little That's... bit of bread and water here and there. Yeah, because that's where I was actually going to go with this. Is that I get this vibe that, like, you like to, you like to take in where you're at, and that the camera is 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 getting the photo more important, or is it more important to experience where you're at? And the photography just kind of is an accessory thing that comes with it, you know? It's, because it's a blending. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think I said earlier, like I can go back and look at photos, and it's a very like visceral response to where I was at the time, which is really important because I think you can impose a lot of bullshit on your own memories as time goes by and remember things not like differently, but a little bit more how you want to. And yeah. I think photography kind of strips that away. So for me, it's a blending, and I just kind of go with what I'm excited about. Like I'll go on some trips where I barely bring the camera out and I'll go on other trips where I'm shooting everything. So it's kind of trying to find that balance between like living it and having those experiences so I can go back and look at the pictures later and feel that and having the pictures. Cause mm -hmm. if I'm shooting all the time, I'll go back and be like, I don't remember any of this. I don't so remember I my trip at all. Box of yeah. pressing buttons. Like dude, I didn't really talk to anyone. Cause dude, I was, and yeah, it's at that point I'm just like, what am, what am I doing with this? Dude, you and Kyle will get along so, so fucking well, dude, my God, he literally like word for word, just, complete call complete, him up man it's getting dude. like it's getting past the three o'clock hour so tell him to show up with a six pack bro fucking let's do let's fucking yeah. keep going man you know um but no he's 
he he had the same thing when he was on his road trip and that's kind of a thing I I I have a little bit of a problem with not I don't want to say problem but it's like a balance is that like some people get so wrapped up in like doing it for the likes or doing it for this or that you know and like they don't means a hell of a drug yeah dude it is man it is a hell of a drug and and you know I don't think that there's anything wrong with it um but to put the camera away and just experience where you're at you know like there was this I have this quick story is that I met Tommy Caldwell over here in New Hampshire in Portsmouth right oh really yeah shit yeah he was at his uh, was during his book signing tour for um, the Donwall, right? Yeah. And when I was going up to him, my buddy Alex is a very good friend of mine. I've been climbing with him. I started out with him. I've known him two years, but he's married now. He's got a kid, and you know, life life happens, so he doesn't get out very often anymore, unfortunately. You know, so he's only out usually in the in the summer because his finances have taken a bit of a change shift for his you know other priorities. For the diapers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but. I wanted him to sign my book. I graduated high school with this um, kid named Philip Charty, right? And I left Afghanistan September 26th. Philip Charty was killed September 27th. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. So I found out in transit, and he left when we graduated high school. He left that night we graduated high school. And it was just me. It was me and him that ended up going into the infantry and the Marines out of our entire class. Right, so I was always kind of like a step behind him, and I was I was I was wondering like where where is he at? You know, what's he doing in in regard to what unit he's with? And um, so I found out about this literally a day after he was killed. All my all my buddies, dude, did you hear about that guy that got shot by a sniper? You know, and it was small fucking world. It was him, and yeah. 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 So found out on transit. There's a place called Manas, Kyrgyzstan, where you stage before you take the the actual flight into. Um, Camp Lebanek is where the air base where you fly into Afghanistan. And I relate a lot to Tommy Caldwell because he was in Kyrgyzstan, I believe, when he was actually captured in 2001. Yeah. And that whole story where he had to actually March take... March with them. Yep. Yeah. That's got to yep. like, so, be an insane yeah. So to, yeah. I can reconcile with his story a little bit in regard to that, right? So met him and he's like trying to sign he's looking at my book and he's like oh hey you know this there's this lady over here that's pissing me off he's like fucking talk i'm like cool like cool i'm trying to i want i want tommy caldwell to sign my book but as this lady's asking me about this information he's he's signing my book right right there for me you know and he's like hey who do you who do you want this out to and the lady's like oh we have we have this marine here that's looking to sign your book and dude it was just like time stopped and i want to say that we that you were able to connect with someone because everything that he went through he understood i feel that he was able to understand what i went through you know and he just like stopped for a second and like looked at the book when he found out i was like um i was like yeah it's uh it's a it's a it's a friend of mine who was killed in afghanistan i was like i would really like if you could write it Corporal Philip Charty, and he he wrote it in my book. But he when he before he signed it, he just like his eyes just sunk a little bit, and he looked at the page, kind of like empty, a little empty, you know. Yeah. And then he signed it, and he ended up like he just, and then he was like he was he was fine after that. But he had like for that quick quick second, you know, he was he was there, right? And so 
that was in New Hampshire. Well, I went to Colorado out in, in April of last year, right? And I had my camera with me. Now, there's a friend of mine that I don't talk to anymore. That's a whole other fucking subject. But um, comes into the comes into the bathroom stall. I'm taking a shit in El Dorado Canyon. <laughs> like I'm, I'm in the I'm in the men's bathroom. He Wait, comes Tommy in. called. Welcome to the no, no, no. My buddy friend. comes okay. in. My buddy comes in. Tommy goes, "Hey, man, what's going on?" You know. But he comes in and he like opens the stage. He's like, "Dude, Tommy Caldwell's here." And I just was like, I was like, "No shit." And I fucking get up. And I had my camera with me, right? And talking about like being in the moment, you know, I didn't take a picture. I didn't take his picture. Yeah. I didn't take his picture at all. And like my friend was like all up in his shit, like trying to like take his, take his photo, you know, and I didn't take his picture, man, because I just, I was, I was happy to be in that moment where I just was like, dude, like I, I think that, you know, we can, we've got similar stories, you know, and like he's this high profile climber, you know, I could have posted it all over fucking social media. I could have, Oh, I met Tommy Caldwell. I did that. You know, I've seen him three times now, <laughs> three times now. He doesn't, he doesn't know me, you know, like by, by, he doesn't reckon he's got fucking tons of people that probably met him multiple times. But when I was meeting him in El Dorado, I just was like, Hey man, like I met you, I met you in New Hampshire. You, you signed my, my friend's book for me. And I was like, dude, it was really, it was, it, it was very important to me that you did that. And I was like, I just wanted to say thank you again. And he's like, dude, sure. No problem. He's like, he's like, what the dude, I want, I don't, you know, he's like whipping his dick out. Like, fuck, let's go climbing, man. You know, like, I'm just like, all right, dude, you know, but, um, dude, it was, that was why, like, sometimes you don't have to take the shot, you know, to, you just want to be in, in the moment. And I feel that you get the same way sometimes with, with, um, taking photos is that you don't need to be so caught up in like capturing pictures or sharing it you know it's just sometimes the experience is worth more than the actual shot yeah i think there have been times i've definitely been like a little bit manic with it and i'm like i need to shoot everything or with climbing i need to climb everything but it's also like those times when you're not shooting you're climbing and you sit down it's like all right i just kind of feel like I don't know if empty is the right word, but it's like, yeah. oh, there's, there's more to this. Like put that away and let it gather dust for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. And go hang out with people. Like, uh, yeah, I think it's just important to, important to keep that balance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. My friend Kyle was saying that he wishes he would have taken more portraits of people on his road trip. Like he just was talking to random people and he's like, man, I wish, you know, he's like, I wish I would have taken more portraits of people. But he's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad that I didn't, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm glad that I got to meet these people. Have you ever been out to Redwood National Forest, by the way? I uh, passed through it. Yeah. I didn't spend much time there. Sorry, dude. This like one place I really want to fucking photograph for yeah. sure is Redwood National Forest. Yeah. 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 What was it like going through there? Um, I mean, I was just kind of, it was in a weird spot, so I was yeah, just like, all yeah. right, a lot of trees. I'm just going to keep driving right now. It was really foggy that day. Mm. So in, like, in hindsight, this was before I was really much of a photographer, too. I think I just had a point and shoot, but I wish I had at least like tried to shoot it a little bit. It was just like a lot of fog moving in and out of trees is mostly my memory of it. Yeah. Just bombing it to the next <laughs> spot. So that's yeah. one of the ones where it's probably like, I wish I'd taken more portraits. I'm like, I eh, wish I'd spent more time there. Yeah. Dude, and that's that's the thing is that I I want to I want to go on a, on a road trip, dude. Like I think I think most people, I think it'd be beneficial for most people. Like, do you feel that you ended up growing a lot as that, or? Yeah, I wouldn't be the person 
I am today if I hadn't. And that sounds like super cliche, but there's something how, about... How fucking dare you? How dare you? Yeah, how, how fucking dare, dare you, you sound cliche? How dare you sound cliche? Yeah. No, it's... um, I don't know. I was kind of like weird, hyperactive person back in the day. And so it calmed me out a little bit. You meet a lot of like really cool people. And it's like, I don't know, you throw yourself in this situation where you have no idea what's going to happen and shit goes wrong. You just like take a deep breath and you're like, well, you know, I'm here. Shit went wrong. Getting yeah. angry about it isn't going to do anything. So a lot of those like unplanned trips were really perspectifying that way, I guess. And I don't, know it's, I don't know if it's for everyone. I'm not going to make a blanket statement like everyone should yeah. take a road trip. Because to me, that's the same like as someone who was in the army and got disciplined that way going, everyone should join the yeah, army. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you're kind of like in a point in your life where you're not really sure what's what's up and you have the time to do it, I think it's a worthwhile venture. Just opening yourself up to those like yeah. experiences without judgment. Um, yeah. Yeah, and just keeping kind of like keeping an open mind with, you know, different things and not getting so caught up in caught yeah, up in the bullshit. Not get caught up in the bullshit, man. That's the biggest thing is that uh did I tell you I walked away I walked away from a job back in um July of last year, dude. It was just it was this was the one you quit, right? Yeah, yeah I think you were yeah. talking about that when I first met you. Yeah. You said it was like a toxic place. I wouldn't say, dude, I love the people there, man. Yeah. And it, it, honestly, I think it was more of just my situation than it was the actual job yeah, at the time. Yeah, add the toxicity yeah. the way you Yeah, because I mean, I, 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 I still know people that are, that are working there. And, I, and again, I don't want to call like, I don't want to call the people themselves toxic. But what was happening was is that it would be like a Monday. And then all of a sudden, seven days would go by. And I would have no idea where the time went, you know? And I'm like, I remember, I remember legitimately forgetting how I had gotten to work and what day it was and like, like what I had for breakfast that morning. Right. Like I completely forgot everything. Oh yeah. And I just was like, I was like, I fucking hate, like, I, 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 I don't like what I'm doing. I was like, I don't like what I'm doing. And I, uh, yeah, I just didn't know what, what was happening. And dude, that's, that's the thing that I'm scared of right now is that like, getting so caught up in, in things that like I need, I, I think that you're kind of the similar way. I think most climbers are, is that they need like fulfillment from what they're doing. You know, like these people that are going out and taking pictures and doing all these crazy things and all of a sudden then they come, then Monday comes and then it's like, Oh, you know, back, back to the, back to the regular grind, you know? And I don't know. That's, that's what legitimately scares me is that like, I'm afraid that I don't want to fall. That's why I love I love doing photojournalism for the National Guard and talking to all these people and going to these places. Dude, I'm getting paid to fucking take photos and talk to people, you know? Like, this is pretty fucking sick, you know? Um, yeah. And it's just, like, getting into a regular 9 to 5, I feel like I'd be... I'm, I'm, I'm scared to fall back into that aspect where I don't want to say I, I hate what I'm doing because it's a job, you know? I, I was very good at what I did. Everybody... I got along with everybody. But it was the circumstances surrounding like my grandfather was passing away and then there was just all these other things that were taking place. And there's people that hate me right now because of the decision that I had made. But that's the decision I made and I have to live with them possibly hating me or not liking me. That's their, you know, I don't, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I still consider them friends, but they thought that me just walking away was like a slap in the face to them. And they, you know, they, they think that I, like, I, I hate them or something like that. I, I don't, 
I don't at all. So if you're listening, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to feel that I have to apologize, but I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you, you know? Um, but it was just the circumstance, like getting into a nine to five, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to, when I graduate, you know, when I, I get it, I, um, I'm done going to Germany for these three weeks and I come back, you know, and then I have to go work, you know, these, these jobs. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say scared, but I'm like, man, I just don't want to fall into that, into that, into that pattern again, where it's like people are always striving for something more. And then all of a sudden that time comes and then they're like, I've achieved this. What do I, you know, I've, I've always thought about the golden years or whatever. And then they think about it, but do they ever know that they get there? You know, like it's this weird kind of conundrum where do they realize that they're at this point, you know, and I think it gets back to that thing where people are trying to find that duality of like, this person has all these, all these things, but they want experiences, Yeah, you know? And then someone that's like living in a fucking van, it doesn't have anything. Like look at fucking Alex Honnold, you know, back when he was in his twenties, he didn't have anything. He's living out of his van, but dude, he's traveling all over the place, such as yourself too, traveling all over the place and doing these amazing things, you know? But then you have someone that has like a fucking, like a, a Porsche, you know, <laughs> fucking like six car garage. And he's just like, he's depressed as shit because he just doesn't, He's, he's, he's got all these material possessions, but then once he gets there, it's like, is there more to this? You know? I always make this joke. The grass is always greener on the other side, but it's usually because yeah. that asshole has a can of spray paint. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's, yeah. Everyone, I think, has struggles with their life and meaning. I think that's just like part of being human, I guess. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I try not to get too caught up in it, but I do sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's hard, though, because you're thrown in this spot with just like a limited amount of time. It's like, well, what do I do with this? How do, how do I make this awesome? How do I make the most I, of this? How do I yeah. feed myself and like maintain relationships with yeah. people? And oh shit, I'm meeting more people. How, I, how do I maintain, how do I keep in touch with everyone? How do I keep, yeah. Yeah, how do I keep this going? How do I yeah. keep this going? And dude, that's, oh, my van broke down. Shit, <laughs> what do I, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, that's why I, I myself, I myself don't get so, um, there was a girl that said to me the other day, um, her name's Nikki. Nikki, I fucking hate you. No, I'm just kidding. She's pretty, pretty, she's pretty chill. But she says to me, she's like, I feel like you could get along with anyone. And I'm like, I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, I feel like you can just like, you can make friends with anyone. Like you can just get along with anyone. I was like, man, I was like, I started thinking about that. I was like, that's interesting. I was like, that's, that's a good quality. I was like, I was like, I was like, that's, that's, that's true, interesting. Man. You know? Cause like I have, I have friends that are like from all walks of life and that's why I started this podcast to talk to as many people as I can. So if I can, if I can try and, you know, connect people through that, you know, dude, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I think it's worth, it's worth the effort, you know, and having conversations with people like yourself, dude, you know, I really appreciate you, um, coming out here and taking the time to, to talk about this and, and dude, your experiences. You a coffee and a dog. Like I could dude. Yeah. No. Right. Right. Yeah. I know, you know, so yeah, dude. Um, no, thank but, you for, uh, thanks for having me. I yeah. Just, I'm pretty much just a dude who lives out of his band. Some people are like, hey, I want to talk to you about what you're doing. Dude, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Why? Cool, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and, and uh, I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to, um, I'm pretty sure might be wrapping this up here in a little bit. I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to talk about or? Um, I mean, I can't I can't think of anything if you want to like snowball out a question or something. Or I, I No, dude, think I, think, covered I think we, yeah. And dude, here's the thing is that we can always do this another time too. Is that if anything else comes up, we can always just fucking be like, dude, fuck, 
fucking episode number two, you know, All for right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll try to remember to stay consistently closer to the mic next yeah, time. <laughs> dude, it's cool. It's cool. I'm not too worried about it. Um, but uh, yeah, dude. Well, hey, man, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Oh, no. Like I said, thanks for having me. Um, it was my pleasure. Yeah. And, and tell people um, your Instagram and how they can uh, reach out to you and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So my website is jaredheathphoto.com. Um, I try to keep it somewhat updated, but I've been lacking on that recently. And some of my more recent stuff is on my Instagram where the handle is jaredheathphotog. So hope you guys look at, at it. Hope you like what you see. And uh yeah, thanks for listening. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Take care, guys.